Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Happy Monday at 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Tomorrow is Kerry's Friday this week. Oh, there you go. Very happy about that. Very tomorrow, proud of that. Yeah, we'll, we'll play hump day tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, because we are off on both Thursday and Friday this week. Hope you are too for uh, Thanksgiving and of course Black Friday and so it's going to be a short work week for us. We're we're kind of exhausted with as hard as we work here in the opening drive so we kind of need a time <sighs> yeah. off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we got four-hour shows that we have to do sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Rocky just sat down. He's, he's, he's exhausted. He's got to work. I think he's got to do. He's got more work yeah. than we do. But, yeah, you know. Good. If there's a segment you guys want to rehear here Friday, just let me know on the text line. A fight that I won. There you go. A fight that you won. Well, no, how you many? I could do this all six hours of just the last month of fights that you won. Yeah. You should do the one where anyone where there's an, an argument. A kerfuffle. Oh, no, I have a disagreement. Those. Go into the podcast. See if you can find them. Good luck. Oh, my God. They gosh. don't exist. <laughs> Wiped off the face of the earth, oh. of course. We're going to hear from Chris Kerber later in the show. Also, actor and comedian Guy Tori is going to join us. Looking forward to that. But let's get started with the weekend wrap up. And Mizzou football wins their ninth game of the year. Nine wow. and two. Congratulations to the Missouri Tigers. 33-31 over Florida. They were up. They were down. It was a seesaw. Brady Cook leading a 12-play, 62-yard drive in 129 to set up Harrison Mevis for the winning kick. 30-yard attempts by Mevis. And Mevis drills it. And did he just chop his way off the field? 33 to 31. Missouri retakes the lead. Do, 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 do. Go Gators. Uh, the key play, or go Raiders or, uh, for MTSU. They do that too. The- hey, I will say MTSU might have put up the best fight against Mizzou this I season. I think so. I there, think there's so. some solace that I'll yep. take in that. Yeah, I, I put on Twitter that Mizzou over the years has had so many just soul-crushing losses. Fifth down, the kick six, Tony Van Zant, uh, uh, Pig Brown dropping an interception. <laughs> well, now and forevermore, Mizzou will have fourth and 17. No timeouts left, 38 seconds on the clock. Cook to Burden right down the middle. And that set up two more passes to give Nevis into better range for the game-winning field goal. How was Brady Cook feeling before that field goal? Yeah, um, you know, we had a lot of confidence in Mevis. Um, but it was a cool moment, and 
Um, yeah, I mean that 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 that's all for him right there. Um, he deserves it. You know, that's his last game at Faro. Uh, I know he's emotional right now, and um, I'm just glad glad the ball went through the uprights. Tigers now nine and two, and they take on four and seven Arkansas on Black Friday. Ooh, well, that should be easy, right? Gross. Sam Pittman's coming back, that though. I think be. the players will be happy at Arkansas about Sam Pittman coming back. I did say I see I saw that this weekend that your check put out a statement saying that he told the players and the staff that Sam Pittman will be coming back. But I mean, with the way that Mizzou is playing right now, this seems like they should be able to close this out, and it will matter a lot to that bowl game we've been mm-hmm. talking about. We've seen what Mizzou is able to do. I mean, they've done it. They've had a great season. They've had. Uh, moments where you were worried, like on like on Saturday versus Florida, but they have found a way to fight through. You said this is probably the a game that they wouldn't have won other than under in the Pinkle era, right? right? I, they they, they right. probably mm-hmm. would have not been able to seal the deal. But Drink has these guys playing extremely well. They got a they're getting guys to to start coming into Mizzou in terms of recruits and and flipping kids. You talked about them flipping a the kid from uh, Colorado. Talon Chandler yes. has he, committed he, to he Colorado now. to come back to Mizzou. Yeah. So. You know, they, they are moving and trending in the right direction. You just have to keep the ball rolling. And hopefully, you know, Drink is uh, not seeking somewhere else to, mm-hmm. to rest his hat in the next couple of years. He'll be in Columbia and they'll uh, continue to win. Do you think that's the biggest concern right I, now? It should be. It should be because mm-hmm. what happens in college football is, you know, the hot coach, the guy mm-hmm. that is – Got his guys playing at the highest level. They are in the, they are in the SEC. There is another program somewhere, somehow, that is looking and, and, you know, always searching for new coaches that are playing and coaching their guys to play at a high level. So that should be the concern for Mizzou fans because you don't want this, this momentum to stop. And I don't know if Mizzou I, – I simply don't know if Mizzou is even capable of raising $100 million for a 10-year, $100 million contract. They've raised a lot of money for facilities. They just announced uh, an expansion to uh, their facility again this past week, and they've raised a ton of money for the projects at Field. So maybe the money is there to give Drink $10 million a year for, for 10 years. They should with everything yeah. that he's doing and building. He's probably that's what you making need to them do. a lot of money. It's yes. gonna be, and there's going to be some teams that are looking for head coaches yep. here in the next two to three weeks. Yeah, and oh, teams, yeah. I mean Michigan <laughs> State is coming yeah. off a hundred million dollar mm-hmm. contract. A yep. and M's coming off a hundred million dollar contract. So yeah, there will be opportunities out there. Uh, did you guys want to talk about Saturday night blues or Sunday night blues? Can we talk about Sunday? Let's not talk about Saturday. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to now. pretend like well, that didn't happen. Yeah, it did, what happened Saturday? I didn't. I don't, uh, I don't recall. Oh, you don't have to worry about it, okay. CD. Yeah, there nothing, yeah. nothing to see there. Last night they, they played in Anaheim, and just nine twenty-five into the game, Jake Neighbors, eh? Blues intercepted, Sunquist far wing, score! Neighbors, goals in back-to-back games for the first time in his career. On a great steal by Sunquist with the assist, one nothing Blues, 10.35 to go on the first. And then seven minutes later, the Blues doubled their lead on this. Have you guys ever heard of this thing, a power play? So, play? It, it's uh... vaguely sounds familiar, but it, the Blues don't do that right? No, they don't. No, they don't. No, this is like not really. In, in football, you can um, like like after a punt, you can call a fair catch. Okay. You, you can take a free kick. You, yeah, you yeah, rarely yeah, see very it. Very like, rarely. Once see every it. six or seven years. Yeah, right. That's the thing with the, the Blues in this situation. Oh. Blues go to their third power play, pretty much right in a row. Perunovic, nice job working the puck out. Kairu on the back door. They score. Butch Nevich put it in on a great feed from Kairu. 2-0 St. Louis, they get a power play goal. 
3.26 to go in the first period. And Pavlovich Navich has three of the four power play goals for the Blues this season. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong. I thought those three words didn't go together. Power play goal. I thought for the, the Blues, yeah, at the least. Blues. Power play attempt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, get, you get plenty of power. But they scored a goal. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Pavel Buchnevich, I guess, that? is the key to the Blues power play mm-hmm. success this season. Yeah, three three of, of the four power play goals. Uh, just keep him out there all the time. <laughs> yep. uh, Toro scored. Joel Hofer rebounded from his disastrous outing in San Jose. And by the way, the way, by the way, the Blues didn't help him in San Jose, and the Blues. And this league is just so weird. Guys, this morning, the Blues have the number one seed among wildcard teams in the Western Conference. If the playoffs started today, the Blues have 19 points. They're fourth in their division. But you've got Arizona, Anaheim. And by the way, the Blues play at Arizona Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Arizona, Anaheim, and Seattle all one point behind the Blues with 18 points. And this is just going to be a dogfight all year long. And you just have to keep... Finding well, a way to play a little bit above 500 hockey. They're going to make it a dogfight with the way that they they play from time to time. And we didn't want to talk about the Saturday game. But I, no, I think the whole league is that way, CD. But it's, no, Randy, everybody's this really is, inconsistent. Why? Because the the games, was it Friday and Saturday were atrocious. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I texted you all Saturday after it was 4-0, to zero, and I said, does anyone want to let the Blues know that the West Coast trip started? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if they knew that they were actually playing hockey on the West Coast. It took a couple of days to realize, oh, shoot, we are we are actually playing games. And the, the ups and downs, I don't know who this team is yet. No. You want it to be the team you saw last night, the, the team that, that scores first. And then, this is another game. Curbs was saying it before the game. They have not lost a lead or gained a lead or been able to gain a lead. Whoever scores first... Zero general, lead changes this year. Zero lead changes. Incredible. Whoever scores first is going to win. And so when the Ducks scored that goal that got uh, negated, I was like, oh, it's going to be bad from here on out. But um, but fortunately, they, uh, they, they said it was no goal. But the Blues have to... Um, they got to figure some, some things out and be consistent. Chief, how about that effort? Yeah, well, I mean, that's when we're at we're at our best. That's when we've had success this year is when we're a hard-working team. And, you know, special teams are good tonight. I thought uh, power play deserved more than one. Uh, they, they were good, and uh, penalty kill was solid. So the Blues win, and they'll take on, as we mentioned, Arizona on uh, Wednesday night in the Valley of the Sun. And uh, you'll be able to hear that one here on 101 ESPN. College basketball last night, it was... Wichita State over SLU, 88 to 69. Jackson State over Missouri. Everybody kind of grows over Missouri, 73 what 72. Uh, but they lost. What happened? So, I don't know. know. Uh, Illinois took care of business. They beat Southern. I L O. I N I. 88 to 60. Illinois beats Southern. And uh, in the NFL, a uh, rough go for the Steelers, who just can't score. Hey, man. I. I <laughs> listen, the Steelers, I watched <laughs> watch the Illinois play Iowa. And then I watched the Steelers play the Browns. Yeah, same team. The black and gold for the Steelers is not producing any offense whatsoever. They, they may have had 250 yards of, of total offense, may have, and 76 of it came on one run yeah, from right, Jalen yeah. Warren. Uh, it's bad. You lose a game... 13 to 10 in the mm-hmm. NFL. We we talked about the over under. I think I said go under for that game because that, there's no offense to be played. No. It's just really bad. And, and got Brooke went away in there. 
Oh, no, I was just going to say, do you think it's more of a Kenny Pickett issue or a Matt Canada issue it's or a, a combination it's of a, both? Everyone, all of them, everyone involved. And the, the offensive the, line's not that good. It's better. They're not playing well. It's better than, yeah. than, than – that was a really good defense. So I have to give the Browns credit because this offense, since they put Broderick Jones at, at tackle, they have been running the ball better. But finding a way to get receivers open, I don't know if it's the scheme. I think it's a. I think it's all of it. The scheme, I think it's Kenny Pickett not hitting receivers when they are open, not knowing where the ball needs to go in a timely fashion. It's They're setting football back with this offense. It's not – Exciting. And speaking all. of old school, I'm old, okay? I was born in 1962. The last time the Detroit Lions were 8-2 and two was 1962, mm. and they're 8-2 and two now. The Detroit Lions might play in the Super Bowl, guys. Let's brace ourselves and prepare for this. The what Detroit, do you think about defensively, though? <laughs> I think they're going to be fine. I think Aaron Glenn will scheme a way up, and they, they get after the quarterback, and that's the big thing. I think that they can handle anybody, especially in their own building. If See, San Francisco has to go there, I I think that they can beat San Francisco. I don't I don't I don't think they will. I think the the two teams, the elite teams, are still Philadelphia and San Francisco in that NFC on the NFC side. Um, the the Detroit Lions are playing extremely well. They are a really good football team. They we talked about this last year though when they went into Green Bay and were able to win that mm-hmm, game. That how they were ascending the direction in which they were going. You knew that this was going to be a really good team, but I still don't think that they're quite there yet. You get a couple more guys on the defensive side. They're explosive offensively. A couple more guys on the defensive side. I think that's what they're still missing. All right. We are off and running here on 101 ESPN. Brooke, Carey, and Randy coming up. What we loved about the weekend here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Here on 101 ESPN, Brooke, Carrie, and Randy. Brooke, what did you love about the weekend? Number two. Well, I liked from the weekend, one, Mizzou able to beat Florida, but specifically the 27 seniors that they honored. I love the tradition that Mizzou has to honor the seniors in their final game at home, which is where obviously they get carried, but also taking the rock from the M logo and then carrying that with them. But I specifically want to talk about a player that we haven't really spoken about much this season, and that would be Darius Robinson. I don't know if you guys noticed, but he's a senior and has done a lot for Mizzou defensively this season. And on the back of his jersey, he took out his last name and he put Mizzou. To me, that is the type of senior, one that you want to have. And I think it really speaks to the program that Eli Drinkwitz has built, having a player like that, Darius Robinson, a leader, a senior in that group. I just thought that that was a really amazing thing that he did because he isn't playing for himself. He's playing for the team, for Mizzou, and for everything they built mm-hmm. up to this point. That's awesome. It, it, it kind of reminds you of what Joe Burrow did a few years yeah. ago when he changed the spelling of his last name yeah. when he was at LSU to make it fit more Cajun style for the for the folks down there in New Orleans. Uh, my number one, I mean, excuse me, my number two, I'm going to go with, I, I, I don't know if Rock saw this, and, and Rock gets mad when you, when you often do this, but Tommy DeVito <laughs> of the New York Giants, if you check out the NFL.com, when he scores the touchdown, he does the, 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 the Italian thing he that Right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought when Brooke mocks it, I get bothered. Illini going into uh, into that game, 
I, I don't think anybody expected the the New York Giants to win that game versus the Washington Commanders in Washington to go in there. Rookie quarterback, undrafted kid, did a great job winning that game, and and you know ILL. I give him credit. I and I. And uh, I, for my number two, I'm, I'm going to echo, echo you, Brooke, and it's, but it's not senior night. It was Brady Cook, who grew up just wanting to be a Tiger. And at the beginning of the broadcast, they had the photos of him as a kid wearing his Mizzou gear. And or even this season, he said, I really want to be the quarterback at the University of Missouri. I wish fans would want me to, too. Well, now everybody does. He kind of looks like he could play in the NFL. He, he moves around, he's decisive, he's got a good arm, and seeing that performance from the Chaminade kid, from the St. Louis quarterback, and especially the 4th and 17, it's pretty cool. I love that. Yes. Special moment for Mizzou. His growth has been so exciting to see mm-hmm. this season, so confident. We went from possibly two quarterbacks to start out the season to Brady Cook, by far the best choice that Eli Drinkwitz made. Yeah. By the way, CD, do you agree with that? That he could play in the NFL? Oh, yeah. I, I think I, I'm not a, sure he can. I think he'll get an opportunity. I don't know. I don't think he'll be. He'll he'll be. I mean, if he were to leave right now, probably a fifth, yeah. sixth round mm-hmm. draft pick, maybe undrafted, but doesn't mean he can't play in the NFL now. You get you some more seasoning. You get a little bit stronger. There are things that he, he can work on in his game, you know, delivering the ball on time. And, and it's always intriguing to watch college quarterbacks transition to NFL quarterbacks because it is a law. It is a huge leap to make that transition in how they have to throw the ball and where, the timing routes and how they have to get the ball out of their hands. But I think Brady Cook right now, if he were to leave fifth, sixth round draft pick, you know, second string backup type of quarterback. But if he were to... You know he got a couple more years left. He can work his way into being maybe one of the elite quarterbacks that that get drafted if he continues to get better. Number one. My number one is going to be the Musial Awards this weekend. It's always such a great event that goes on. And Adam Wainwright, already being honored. We are so lucky to have Adam Wainwright as a part of the St. Louis Legends Club. I think you can already put him because of everything that he has done for the Cardinals and for Cardinals fans. And he won the Musial Award for Extraordinary Character. And guys, we saw that this season, everything that he went through. And I know that there's some people who are frustrated that he stayed with the Cardinals this season, felt like he should have hung it up and been done with Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. But the fact that he was able to battle through and to get to 200 wins in the manner in which he did, because it wasn't easy. As we know, we talked to him every single week about what he went through. That is extraordinary character. And I'm so glad that he's a part of the St. Louis and history. And he has, he's such a, uh non-excuse guy that he pitches the whole season with a torn labrum and then in his second last start the start before his 200th he completely blows out his shoulder capsule and pitched that game bone on bone and Greg has talked about how they were watching a ballpark cam at MLB yeah. Network and damn please I can say I can't believe this guy's pitching he, yeah. he's hurt he was a physical mess yet he still gutted his way through that 200th win seven innings and it was great and that that's just an example but he showed from 2005 on his incredible character to St. Louis I agree just a great man great ball player and will go down in Cardinal history is one of the best to do it uh, my number one, I went to an event Saturday called Dudes, Dads, and Donuts at McClure High School. Uh, got to speak on a panel and, and talk to some young men and some families. And it was just a, a great event um, that, that was put together and, and really important event for, for young men to have conversations regarding mental health and, and how to understand certain circumstances that you may go through in life and how to 
avoid bad situations or, or, or how to step in in a situation where you need to be, you know, be a man and, and have those hard and tough conversations. So I thought it was a really good event for all of us that were there and, and for the people that participated and for the people that attended. Good. Glad you were there. And guys, my number one is the Blues actually bouncing back last night because I thought they were dead in the water. After the San Jose game, after the Kings game, I'm thinking, okay, well, this is just the Blues on the road. They can't win. But to get the first goal and then to get the power play goal uh, kind of gives me a little bit of confidence that at some point this group is going to figure it out. I'm not sure about it. It's kind of a mystery. But getting a win last night in Anaheim was big. And now they've got a huge game. You said where? Anaheim. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the the game against Arizona, a point ahead of the Coyotes on Wednesday night, is, is going to be a big one. So uh, I, I, I'm actually uh, weirdly entertained. Cautiously optimistic, if you will. Uh, cautiously. Just, yeah, just cautiously the, optimistic. The, I couldn't leave out of it. But the panic word. bus keys yeah. are right in your pocket. Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time. We're going to save those panic bus keys for another team in this city. Yeah, that, that one. Oh. Yeah. Well, that, that's on the opposite yeah. of favorite things from yeah. this weekend, CD. <laughs> we, 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 least favorite yeah. thing. We, we tried to sell the St. Louis Free Zoo to Aaron Nola yeah, when he joined enough. us towards the end of the wasn't season. Enough for him. Uh, no, 172 million over seven years, and the Cardinals apparently didn't even make an official offer to Aaron Nola, who we all wanted them to. Uh, they're making their decisions. They know baseball. At least they know to the tune of losing 91 games. Uh, so, uh, am I wrong? <laughs> hey, hey, Randy, you should take solace in the fact that they had a brief exchange when I'm talking about John Mosellock and Aaron Nola's agent. According mm-hmm. to Derek Gould at the Post-Dispatch. Hi and bye. A brief exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Hi. Bye. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you want to go to Philly? Oh, okay. Well, best of luck. That could be a brief yeah. exchange. Are you guys like me? Do you worry about people like Jake Woodford and Dakota Hudson and Andrew Kisner uh, becoming, and Juan Yepes, becoming good players for other teams now? Juan Yepes, yes. Andrew Kisner, no. And I told you, I thought Andrew Kisner played his best baseball of his entire career. I wouldn't expect that to continue going forward, which is why I didn't think he necessarily needed to be the backup backup quarter, backup catcher, and, and that being you, you can move Wilson Contreras to another position. I, I didn't have any issues with that. Dakota Hudson, that was a bit of, bit of a surprise, seeing as he was one of your six starters going mm-hmm. into last year, and now he's no longer here. Juan Yepes was a a surprise all season because I was surprised that he wasn't even in the rotation of all of the outfielders Mm -hmm. getting an opportunity when you got a bunch of them that injured, not performing, and and you got infielders in the outfield. You got an outfielder that hit a home run in the playoffs. He obviously is Mm -hmm. not afraid of the big moment. Give him a chance. So that one was probably the most surprising one um, and probably will be the one that we look back and say, we probably could have used him. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think Juan Yepes is one that could eventually come back and bite you. Andrew Kisner, I'm surprised personally that the Cardinals would move on from him because obviously they saw value in what he was able to bring leadership-wise this mm-hmm. season, and I thought that it would be the right move to make, to move on from one of these catchers. I didn't know if it was going to be via trade or something like that. Yvonne Herrera showed that he's ready. He showed that this past season, so you had to make some sort of move. I'm glad they did not move on from Yvonne Herrera, but we know that Andrew Kisner is very well liked in that clubhouse, especially amongst the pitchers. And oh, by the way, even though maybe Dakota Hudson and Jake Woodford didn't give you quality innings, and that could be the big reason why they moved on from him, 
the thing is, is that now you need even more pitchers, mm-hmm. right? With Major League Baseball experience is key. Because I know that they went out and got some pitchers at the trade deadline when they made some of those moves, but some of them yes. don't have Major League experience Thank yet. You. So it's kind of a big question mark of what that will look like. Making room for McGreevy and Graceffo. Yeah. It would have been nice to see them in the majors at some point this season to know. Here's a scary thing for me in regards to Kisner. If he goes to a place, not trying to denigrate the Cardinals coaching, but the Cardinals don't have a a coaching, uh, catching instructor in their system. If one of these former catchers that's a manager gets a hold of him and is able to mold him, he was drafted as an offensive player and he's got offensive ability. I just Mm -hmm. don't know that the best offense that he is capable of was brought out of him. That's a mild concern of mine. Now, the Cardinals also needed to get a spot for Ivan Herrera, which they did by non-tendering him. But I look at a guy like Schwarber, who was non-tendered by the Cubs and has become one of the most important players in baseball. Not one of the best, but one of the most important. And uh, I'm just concerned that the Cardinals have guys that have ability that might be polished up and utilized in a great manner by other franchises. Well, that's going to be the painful part of this offseason, right? Because this is not going to be the last one where you're probably going to be worried about that. Because true. Bad news, guys. Or maybe good news. I don't know. The It's probably going to have to come via trade with one of these starting mm-hmm. pitchers. Oh, Sonny Gray. Yeah, Sonny Gray will, will be here. Oh, really? Are you sure about that? Because no. I think that uh, the Braves supposedly are the top suitors for him. Oh, them too, huh? But what if he wants to be a number one? He can't be a number one in Atlanta. He could be the number one for St. Louis. I guess it depends on money and where his heart lies, Randy. That's that's where everything is, right? Where their heart lies. By the way, the Cubs are also interested. You want to win? Cubs are going to be good. It's going to be awful. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up, four downs from the weekend in the NFL on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for four downs from the National Football League. First down. Brooke, what's first down? 
Well, it's not the Titans today. It's not the nope. Titans, guys. I'm sorry. I know that I've made it very clear I'm a Titans fan, and I still believe in the future of Will Levis. I just said that this wasn't going to be mine, but I'm just going to do a tiny little rant. <laughs> the Titans are absolutely terrible and need to just overhaul a lot of different things. Obviously, need a better O-line. I'm still encouraged by Will Levis and his future. I think it'd be a huge mistake for the Titans to go out and draft another quarterback, which is something that they continue to do. I think that they can really develop things around Will Levis and his future. Anywho, the real story I want to talk about is a blast from the past. Joe Flacco is back, guys. Joe Flacco. Do we want to clap for that? Joe Flacco. I don't. I don't. No? Okay. Well, Joe Flacco has... with the Browns. I know. With the Ravens. I don't think Kerry's a big fan. I know. Well, come on. No? T-Sizzle's got bling now, and I think Kerry doesn't like that. We don't care about the Ravens or the Browns. No? This is another team for the Immaculate Grid, though. Oh, oh yeah. there does, you go. Now that does play. So the blast <laughs> from the fa- pass, <laughs> Joe Flacco, obviously, reportedly, is signing with the Browns and their practice squad. So, as you guys know, they do have their starter still as of right now, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He did throw 43 passes versus the Steelers. Only two of them, though, traveled for more than 10 yards in the air. So his arm strength is something that's not there right now. Joe Flacco being added obviously adds a veteran presence that could possibly help Dorian or take things over by December. By the way, guys, the Browns are 7-3 and three right now. How are we feeling about this move? I, I think it helps the Browns with depth. Um, DTR didn't play poorly yesterday. They they have, that's a team, you got to give credit to, to Kevin Stefanski and, and that mm-hmm. staff and what they've done because that team just keeps playing. They lost Nick Chubb early in the year. You're your best player on offense. You you lose your starting quarterback uh, for the season, and now here you are. DTR was the third. He's the third guy that has started for them. They have done a really good job, and it starts with that defense and Miles Garrett and what he's able to do. He was able to, you know, get after the quarterback a couple of times yesterday. Should have had it. They should have. It should have been a safety, um, but the the Browns decided not to challenge it. They are defensively. Just a really, really good football team that gets after the quarterback and doesn't allow big plays. They allowed the one run um, to Jalen Warren that was a 70-plus yard run. But other than that, they they held the Steelers to to about 250 yards worth of offense. If, and if you take away that run, Kenny Pickett had 100 yards right, uh, passing. Yeah, that's in the NFL. <laughs> what the hell are we doing, man? I agree. I'm, I'm with you. Second down. I, I'm gonna. The the I want to call them the San Diego Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers. They should still be in San Diego. The Los Angeles Chargers are their past kerfuffle. Their past. Uh, what was the other one? What, what what other words did we have? Uh, schism. We had uh, schism. Schism. Yeah, schism. Schism is a problem. Oh, there was another one. Yeah, there was. Their past. Uh, all of those words that we have used mm-hmm. to describe poor poor performances from teams. They're fed up. The 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 coaches. Are I think on one side Brandon Staley being that, and then the players seem to be getting frustrated. We saw last year Keenan Allen, when he wasn't playing, tweeted during the Browns game, "What what are we doing?" And now you have the 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 starting safety for the Chargers saying, "We're just fed up." Yeah, Alohi mm-hmm. Gilman saying, "We're fed up. We're tired of losing. We're tired of." You cannot lose to the to the Green Bay Packers. That's not a good football team, man. <laughs> 322 yards passing for Jordan Love. That ain't a good team. And, and your head coach is a defensive coordinator. So he has a defensive background. And and he's 
really, st- I'm I'm calling the plays. He says you can stop asking questions. Okay, I'm going to be calling the defense so we're clear. You don't have to ask that again. Well, if they're asking, man, there's a reason because mm-hmm. it ain't good. <laughs> and it's it's a, just it's, not good enough. And it's not a, a staff of names either. There's no logical person to take over for uh, for Brandon Staley if they would get rid of him now. I guess you could, you would promote Kellen Moore, but. They've got issues on the defensive side of the ball, too. They've got problems with the Chargers. They, and that's one place where they need a new staff. They need a new coaching staff because they're wasting that talent. And and they got the, the Baltimore Ravens next week. Good luck. Yeah. Uh, they may be. Yep. He, he, people lose their jobs, mm-hmm. and it's when your teams don't perform well enough. Brandon Staley is, is, has been on that path. Mm-hmm. For a long time, you got an elite quarterback. You got really good defensive players in Derwin James and, and Joey Bosa. Bosa went down yesterday, but you got a lot of guys on that team. Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen. When you can name that many superstars, when a team has to circle that many numbers to prepare for, that means that's a really good football team and they're playing really well. You got to figure something else out. Third down. Guys, we all know the story. A handsome, well-liked quarterback in the NFC West that wears number 10 and gets hit and tears his leg up. And a quarterback wearing number 13 from a school in Iowa takes over and becomes one of the best in the league and leads his team to great things. Yes, Brock Purdy. Uh, At 23 years old and 327 days, he joins Lamar Jackson and Jared Goff as the only quarterbacks under the age of 24 in NFL history with a perfect passer rating. Perfect pass rating of 158.3. We never talk about Purdy as being one of the best in the league, but he recorded a 148.9 passer rating in Week 10. Youngest player in NFL history with a passer rating of 145 or higher in consecutive starts. He now has four career games with three or more touchdown passes and a passer rating of 140-plus, joining another quarterback that wore number 13, came from an Iowa school, replaced a handsome, well-liked quarterback that tore up his leg. Kurt Warner replaced Trent Green. And, of course, he had three games uh, with, with a 140 or higher passer rating and three or more touchdown passes. Purdy has done that and surpassed Kurt. Purdy is also... The sixth quarterback ever with a passer rating of 100 or higher in 10 of his first 15 starts, joining Kurt, along with Dan Marino, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, and Ben Roethlisberger. Pretty tall cotton there for Brock Purdy. He's in in good company. He really is. He's he's pretty good. He is really good, and they have Mm -hmm. a lot of weapons that are accessible to him. He's got guys that can make plays. Brandon Ayuk is is a star. Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, even Juszczyk, the fullback who... I love watching it. They they remind me. They have. I like watching Kyle Shanahan draw up offense and how he goes mm-hmm. about gaining mismatches. He sends Christian McCaffrey on a shuffle uh, motion to the left just to get him back to the right and get all of the traffic going. And he's wide open for a touchdown. They're they are really good uh, on offense and they're really good on defense. And that's a that's a really good team. And Brock Purdy is doing well. He sure is Purdy. Yes. <laughs> Fourth down. And guys, I've got the solution if you've got a psyche quarterback. Just fire your offensive coordinator. Uh, Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen passed for 275 yards and three scores in the Bills' 32-6 win over the Jets. Allen has 205 combined passing and rushing touchdowns since entering the NFL in 2018 and surpassed 
Patrick Mahomes with 204 combined touchdowns for the most combined passing and rushing touchdowns by a player in his first six seasons in NFL history. So congratulations to Josh. All he needed was Joe Brady. And by the way, they did appear to call a more logical game yesterday than they did under Ken Dorsey. Well, he took care of the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't really count the interception at at, at the Hail Mary. Uh, He took care of the football, and he did that by not making extreme throws, throwing across his body, taking low percentage throws downfield. You know what he did? He threw it to the tight end. He threw it to the running backs. He threw a lot of passes to Dalton Kincaid, who, where was he located? Right over the center, mm-hmm. right over the right tackle, right over the left tackle. Easy throws for for Josh Allen to make. Not anything outside, throwing it late, throwing it downfield. He did a really good job of protecting the football, and when they do that, Good Josh Allen can win you games, could possibly win you a championship. Bad Josh Allen is going to lose you a lot of games. He just looked a lot more confident, right? He didn't have that deer-in-the-headlights look that you saw. And so maybe this was a change that was needed. Yeah, I I think looking back, it probably Eh, is. No, I think they just needed a scapegoat. They can't fire the quarterback. Nothing wrong with it. No, he can't fire the quarterback. But you know what? He's got more touchdowns produced than any other quarterback in his first six years, so he must be doing something right, right? It'll change tonight. So, oh, Mahomes will pass him? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. okay, being number two. Yeah. League's been around for more than 100 yards. Yeah. yeah. And things aren't going to be easier for the Bills schedule-wise because no. they have Philadelphia. They have Kansas City right next. Yep. And then who else do they have? And then Dallas. Right. And the, they need, the, the Bills need to play better defensively. Now, obviously, the Jets are in it, but you, you lose White and Russell Douglas play, is playing well for him. But not having Milano, not keeping Terrell Edmonds, uh, they, they've got a lot of issues on yeah. that defense, too, that they have to deal with. All right, four downs from the NFL. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. We, Matthew didn't even participate there. Matthew, you mm-hmm. want to do this again and participate mm-hmm. with the group? Sure. 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Good Take job, it or leave bro. it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Time for Tioli. Get your text in now. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Don't forget that you can watch us on the YouTube on our Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. Just go to YouTube and search 101 ESPN STL. And when you get there, please subscribe to our channel. Uh, Kids, TMZ reporting that Travis and Taylor are going to be together for the holidays. They're already making plans to spend as much time during Christmas together as possible. The relationship is going strong. Take it or leave it. This relationship costs the Chiefs a playoff game. Oh, no. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. Leave it. Leave it. I love it. No. And and, and here's why. You got to rest, man. You got to rest. It's late in the season. Mm-hmm. You you don't have time to be traveling to different places, different venues to to see your girlfriend perform out of the country. You got to you got to rest. You got the you got the Philadelphia Eagles coming to mm-hmm. town tonight. Mm-hmm. You got to be locked in. Not saying that he isn't, but 
if you got your time being spent in other places. Yeah, especially once playoff time hits, you get to the holidays. Yep. Oh, he'll still be very serious about it. And also, I think that there's more issues maybe offensively for the Chiefs than just Travis Kelsey. They need some other guys to step up. It's not all on Kelsey, everybody, uh, if is. they don't make it. Yeah, I mean, they don't have so another receiver. If they receiver. don't make it, it's not all on him, okay? He's kind of important. He's kind of important to that offense. I think so, yeah. It, it, yeah it's a beautiful it. love story. Maybe spending time together will help them flourish even more. Wonderful. You so know, let's what see I wanna, you know what I want to flourish in? Championships. The, the, the holiday <laughs> schedule. Oh, my. Maybe he's chasing a different rank carry. Did you think about that? Cool. <laughs> so, no, no disrespect to that guy. <laughs> Monday night, December 18th, they're at New England, so they spend some time together leading up to Christmas Day. Monday, Christmas Day, a noon game against the Raiders in Kansas City. Uh, and then you get uh, towards New Year's, the Bengals at home. Hmm. Hmm. Christmas Day. Hmm. It, uh-huh. Yeah. So New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve, uh, you got a three twenty five game against the Bengals. So they probably spend New Year's Eve together, right? Bring in the sure. new year. Mm-hmm. How about that? Beautiful, mm-hmm. spectacular. Their schedule is not difficult, by the way. After tonight, you're at Vegas. You're at Green Bay. You got Buffalo at home. At New England. Vegas at home. Cincinnati at home. At the Chargers. I think the only potential loss is this one tonight. And then I, I can see them winning out one, two, three, four, five, six. I can see them winning their last seven very, very easily. It depends on what Bills team shows up. Yep. Uh, it obviously changed with Joe Burrow going down for the Bengals. Mm-hmm. That that helps everyone in the AFC. Uh, but yeah, they have a they have a pretty good path. Uh, so we learned over the weekend that the Cardinals are not willing or were not willing to swim in the waters of one Aaron Nola in that contract. Take it or leave it. We're going to see the same team we saw in 24 and 23 and 24. In terms of quality? Yeah. Take it. I don't want to take it, CD. Why not? Because why, why wouldn't they? This, why wouldn't they offer? Why wouldn't they offer a contract? This should have been different. Twenty-four million, twenty-five million doesn't feel that. That was the number I think that everyone pretty much thought was going to be the, mm-hmm. the AAV. We were we were comfortable. Well, I say we we we. I was, were comfortable, I was comfortable with, with that. more than yeah. that. Yeah, it, clearly they're not. What, what, who else is? I mean, everyone else is going to oh. be about that that no, amount as well. Oh, home. Yeah. What is he? Twenty-one million. Oh, yeah, yeah, bro. Maybe 60 over, yeah, 60, 65 over three mm. for Sonny. Mm. Bob Nightingale reporting that uh, the Cardinals are the favorites for Sonny Gray, by the way. Nice. Did, oh, really? Yep. Number one. Mm hmm. Yeah. The Braves aren't the top suitors anymore? No, I think uh, the Braves, Braves have, offer three for 70. Yeah. And the Cardinals say, eh. Okay. And it's, you know, people are saying, well, he wants to be close to Nicheville. Well, you're close to Nicheville when you have a $65 million contract. Atlanta, Atlanta, it's about, I mean, they're both about the same distance. Four hours from Atlanta, four hours from St. Louis to Nashville. Yeah. But then you don't have to deal with the Atlanta traffic, as we discovered and talked about last week. You hear that, Sonny? You can just get your helicopter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, take it or leave it, guys. Just playing off of that, the Cardinals should have at least tried to, or tried to offer Aaron Nola. Take it. Take it. They should have, or at least let people think, even if you knew he was going to turn it down, like, offer him six years and 150, right? It, well, because why not? Unless you didn't think it would actually happen or you didn't want it to happen. That's the, that's the thing. They Did you not want it to happen or you didn't think it was going to happen? Yeah, Cardinals are not fans of long-term contracts. No. When was the last has, time has, they did seven years for a starting pitcher? 
Uh, that would be never, Brooke. Yeah. How does that? How is that going to work when that's how the market goes now? That's one of the things they have to come to grips with. Is the market is different than they think it is? Apparently, uh, they they didn't really sign much starting pitching last year, as I recall. I'm trying to think. Sorry, Kara, what was that question no. again? No. How is that going to work when that that's what the market calls for? Um, not great. <laughs> Thanks, Mo. <laughs> Thanks for checking in yeah, for a brief it. exchange, Mo. Yeah, I'm glad to hear he's doing media again. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> what? Take it or leave it. Those of us who work in customer service, food, or in the general public should be allowed to slap one person a day with no consequences. Take it. Take Ooh. it. Take it. Take yeah, now, take it. now, you working in customer service, one should be able to slap you as well if you're not doing yep. your job. Now, you got to go both ways. Go, go to all biblical eye for an eye here, huh? <laughs> you got to go both ways. Eye for an eye. There are some people in customer service that are terrible human beings. Mm-hmm. I told you, man, I had a guy on the phone with me from T-Mobile one time. I said, man, you got my address. Come see me. You, you, <laughs> you got all of my information. You come to my house right now. This is very disrespectful, young man. I have a question for you guys. Hmm? Take it or leave it. Should you bag your own groceries at the grocery store? And I'm talking about you go through the checkout, not self-checkout, because obviously you're bagging your own. Are we talking Aldi own. where it's a given, or are you talking like Deerberg? Schnooks. Just anywhere. Schnooks. Yeah. Deerberg. Schnucks, Deerberg, Whole Foods. No. no. Yeah. If it's Aldi, you got it's to. It's based upon expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you if, if there's no one there, to, if there's no one there, I just I just jump to the end of the line and just start doing it. Okay. Well, um, the, I don't. The greatest really? service no. is going to be hey, provided. Yep. No. The greatest service is going to be provided at your local Snook store. There you go. Uh, and uh, just download the Snooks Rewards app, and you don't ever have to worry about uh, having to bag your own groceries. Yeah. And you're going to have an unbelievable selection as we head into this holiday season of great foods. Got my turkey at uh, Schnooks, and uh, it's in the fridge, and I'm going to start preparing actually tomorrow uh, so that I have my turkey ready for. Thursday, thanks. Nice. That's a, yeah, Thanksgiving ordinarily is on a Thursday. Isn't every it? every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, Makes yeah. Maybe they're, maybe they're just short staff that day. Come on, guys. Yeah. You know? All right. Help me help we're you. Gonna be, we're gonna be waiting here. We're gonna be looking at them, and I'm gonna be looking at them. <laughs> they're gonna be looking at me. <laughs> so how are these how are these how, how are these groceries gonna get in this bag and get into this cart? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a stare off. It's a stare off. Put it in the cart. I don't. Wow. What do you want me to go behind there and and start? Like. <laughs> I'm a black man. I'm not going behind the counter. He's not behind the counter. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere near. Okay, what about for a discount? You think would then would you be a little bit more enticed? If I if I got a discount and they didn't charge me as much, yeah, sure. These are my groceries. That's why you go to Aldi though. You don't get charged as much. They they take care of you. You Take it or leave it. Deviled eggs are the superior side for a Thanksgiving feast. No, a little interior. Superior. Leave that. I'm gonna have to leave that. Also, a little insight on the big boards for tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, uh, oh. deviled eggs are, are good. They are, but right. not the superior. The, the texture of a it. deviled egg grosses me. Really? Out. Yep. Really? Hard boiled eggs in general. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Oh, they're delicious. We found the one thing that you won't eat. Oh, liver. liver. I won't eat liver. Oh, liver is oh okay. I didn't say I wouldn't eat uh, deviled eggs. I just, <laughs> just, just grossed me out. So you, you, guys, power, you can power through it. Yeah. You guys <laughs> heard Michelle one time. She got on a plane and the woman next to her takes out uh, like a Ziploc bag with hard-boiled eggs and said, do you mind if I eat these? Yes. And she asked Michelle, and Michelle said, yes, I do. That's so <laughs> So the lady was going to eat hard-boiled eggs next to her on a plane. Yes, I actually do mind. On an entire plane? Yeah. You no. learn a lot about people on planes. Yeah. yeah. Some people don't. Take it or leave it. Not fixing your divot should be immediate grounds for expulsion from a golf course. Oh, I'll take mm. that. Yeah. Mm. Take it.
Mm-hmm. Is that a that's an egregious? Yeah. It, yeah. It's just lazy, right? Yeah, because yeah. all you, you get a little bottle of sand yeah. to just you know pour some sand, and it's not hard. All right. Okay. Take it or leave it. Cardinals will be in on Blake Snell. Leave it. Leave it. Jesus. I. I'm just going to take it because I feel like you can't just not at least try with some of these if you free wouldn't. agent starting pitchers. And I, when yeah. I say in, I'm not saying necessarily think that they will land him, but I'm saying you have to at least try. You can't use the excuse that you knew he wanted to stay in a certain city. You can't do that with Blake Snell like you do with Aaron Nola. But are the Cardinals going to go there, as Steve Spagnuolo would ask? They should at least be in. They need to be a suitor, if you will. I would be very surprised if pitchers. the Cardinals would be in on a defending, a current Cy Young Award winner who's won two Cy Youngs. I would that, be very surprised. They weren't in on Aaron Nola. And I, does, does, but he does wanted Blake to Snell stay in Philly. More? Does Blake yeah. Snell get more money year per year? Mm. He might, but it's probably for, eh, no, they're about the same age. I, I would say Snell with the Cy Youngs probably gets more, yeah. Even though Nola's going to give you more innings. And four, 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 three, four, four hundred? Three I think for probably, he probably gets five. 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 Oh, he may somebody probably the difference is going to be giving him six. Okay. Or well, he won't get six here. <laughs> nope. Uh, That's t- impossible. Apparently. Take it or leave it. One of the three end up as a Cub: Kisner, Yepes, Hudson. Take it. Ooh. I like that. I take like that, that one. I'm going to take that. Take mm-hmm. Yeah. Yepes is going to get one. He's going to have some like back half of the season where he has runs. like 12 home runs it's, in a month, isn't he? Doesn't Dakota Hudson feel like a Craig Council bullpen guy? He absolutely does. Yes. He does. I can see that yeah. for sure. I yep. just said it earlier, the Cubs are going to keep getting better. What if Kisner goes there and flourishes, and then we signed Contreras, and then after one year... Would that be a shock? I don't think you should worry about Kisner. I, I, again, well, I'm saying, what if it happens, though, Carrie? I don't think... I, that oh, doesn't no. concern me as much as watching Juan Yepes hit 25 bombs on... Was it Waverly Boulevard? Waveland. Waveland, Waveland Avenue, yeah. Waveland <laughs> Avenue. Yeah, over there. Those yeah. guys. This isn't a take or leave, but I just got to read this text. Okay, let's hear it. When will ESPN talk about D3 sports? North Carolina College is in Naperville, Illinois. Quarterback is having one of the greatest seasons in history. North Central College, sorry. Great, great. Good to hear. (laughs) I never heard of it. I didn't know it was a college. You you just get all of your D3 friends together, okay? And send a lot of emails. Okay, I was going to give you our program director's email address. I'm not going to do that. Get all your D3 friends together and send a lot of emails to me at randy at 101ESPN.com, okay? When I get 500 emails... It has to be different email addresses. Yes. It can't be the same email Saying address. you need to talk more D3 sports at randy at 101ESPN.com. It will be North Central College fan yep. one, North Central College fan two, yeah, right. North yeah, yeah. Central... Uh, when, when we get to 500 emails, we'll do a segment. That's awesome. And congratulations to the kid having the great uh, year. Yeah. But we don't even talk Wash U, one of the best athletic programs in America, right down the street from yeah. us. And uh, In the U.S. of A. There's, right here. <laughs> there's an <laughs> adage in, uh, in sports radio, and it, it goes like this. It says, play the hits. And in St. Louis, the hits are the Cardinals, the Blues, St. Louis City, right now, Mizzou football. And then after that, everything drops off. We uh, we, we do what's called playing the hits. But do, mm. with all due respect to your North Central College 
football team, and the quarterback is having the magical What's their nickname? Season. What's their mascot? Uh, uh, that's a good question. It looks like it's a paw. All due respect. Uh, there just isn't a broad interest oh, wait, in no, the North well, Central College. It doesn't. It's a cardinal. Oh, is it a cardinal? cardinal. I was looking at the okay, wrong Okay, so school. we're talking cardinal. different cardinals here. All right. Very nice. But thank you very much for the text, and thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate it. What's the guy's name? Let's give him some love. Texture didn't even know the guy's name. <laughs> but let's we would give him some love. He didn't give uh, he didn't give the player's yeah. name. D three, this is a, a D three quarterback. I have to go there. So shockingly enough, North Central College's uh, website not the quickest uh, in the bunch. Okay, uh, so we've given them a lot of time today. We there have, you yeah. go. So okay, I don't think so. you even need to send the five hundred emails, right? <laughs> Oh, oh no! This is this is opening here. up Pandora's box on the text line, aka Pandora's box. Talking about. Here we go. He, ha- he uh, <laughs> so his Brock name Rutter? is Luke Lennon, L E H N E N, and he is right now. He has a seventy-six percent completion. He has thirty-seven touchdowns and one pick. Wow! And he's thrown uh, and he's thrown for uh, twenty-five hundred yards in eleven games. What's his name? His name is Luke Lennon. H L L E H N E N. Luke Lennon, maybe. Okay. Yeah, Thirty-seven Luke. to one. It's like Josh Johnson at San Diego State yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, Luke. Well, we, for you. So uh, he he got some love here. Uh, North yeah, Central we, we College. Break, I need to go to break. Uh, let's, let's do a break. And uh, coming up, that was the biggest win for Mizzou in nearly a decade. So how excited should you be about Eli's program? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Ball's loose! Ball is loose! Mizzou's got it! Christian Williams with the fumble recovery. Play action. Cook is going to go down to Weiss. And Theo Weiss, he is a speedster who gets free. Down the sideline he goes. M-I-Z. This will decide it. It'll be a top 10 tumble if he doesn't get it. Fourth down. Got to have it. And he gets it. Luther Burton to third. And not only that, but they're in range to win it. 30-yard attempt. By Mevis. And Mevis drills it. And did he just chop his way off the field? Mizzou improves to 9-2 on the season. They will play Arkansas on Black Friday, 2.30 on CBS uh, in Arkansas. And it was interesting the other night, Joe Tessitore Uh, was doing the play-by-play. Jesse Palmer had the color. And they were talking about how not only is Mizzou in great shape now at 9-2, and but that they're going to be around for a while because the recruiting is going so well. Gary Pinkle was able to build a program, a sustainable program at the University of Missouri, but you had to be realistic about it, okay? It was a... Under Pinkle, uh, an eight and four, nine and three, sometimes ten and two, program, and I believe that's what they are. I think this is kind of maxing out what Mizzou is capable of. I just wonder if Drinkwitz is able to replicate what Gary Pinkle did at Mizzou by going eight and four, nine and three, ten and two every year. I think it's. I mean, you you are in a good conference. Obviously, you're in the SEC. You have an opportunity to recruit 
at a national level and and get kids to understand what Mizzou is. They, they are right there on the cusp of being a really good program year after year. Now you you had a good year this year. Finish it out. Finish the win the win this game against Arkansas, your rival. Make sure you take care of that business, and then go win the bowl game against a team not in your conference, whether it's the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or whatever conference it is. If it's Tulane, whoever it is, go win that game and win it convincingly, and then you start setting yourself up. Have a great off season with recruiting. Get you one of those, you know, top five. Well. SEC is going to be Georgia, Alabama, and top one and two every single year. If you look right now at the recruiting rankings, this is according to ESPN, Georgia is one, and then Florida is four, and Alabama is six. Oklahoma is going to be in the conference next year. They're seven. Texas is going to be in the conference next year. They're eight. Tennessee is ninth. A&M is tenth, and that was obviously before the firing of uh, their head coach. And uh, you, you go down, LSU is 14th, Auburn is 15th. Uh, South Carolina, 17th. By the way, Michigan is 18th. So uh, Kentucky, 20. So uh, Ole Miss, 21. There is a lot of work to do on the recruiting trail for Mizzou. Arkansas, 23. Looks like there's a lot of SEC teams ahead of Mizzou as we speak for the 2024 class. I think that's something that is encouraging, though. One is that you have Luther Burden and Brady Cook likely returning next season for whatever reason I couldn't see them leaving the Mizzou program with everything that they Mm -hmm. have built. And the way that Eli Drinkwitz has been able to successfully recruit here within the state, keeping the local kids here, I think, is something that has been needed. Because I felt like that was a big issue during the Barry Odom era, right, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. is that it felt like a lot of people didn't think that he recruited well within the state, keeping local talent here and going to Mizzou. I think Eli Drinkwitz has done a great job of recruiting, which is very Gary Pinkle-esque. And by the way, there was a point at which uh, Barry Odom told confidants that he thought the St. Louis players that should have been recruited by Mizzou were overrated. Mm. He probably... Wow, he said that? Right now, Mizzou is is ranked 15th in the FCC. Yeah. Behind Vanderbilt. The only team team that they're in front of is the Mississippi Mississippi State Bulldogs, which if you want to be good, you're going to have to get some of those guys. And, you know, maybe it's not this year. Maybe you have another 9-10 win season next year and you put yourself in a position to be in the SEC championship game. Like if you are in those talks and those conversations, that's when you can see this this really turn uh, in the direction that Mizzou wants it to go and be one of the elite teams in that conference and be one of the elite teams as a, in terms of recruiting. But recruiting is going to be the the lifeblood of your program. Mm-hmm. If you don't get guys that can compete with the other 14, 15, 16 teams in your conference, you're going to have a t- a tough time having success and, su- and sustaining success. I agree. I mean, that's that's part of the layer, right, is one, you have to keep the talent that's here locally within the state and try to do the best of your ability to do that, which I think Eli Drinkwitz has shown that he has that ability to recruit well within the state. And then you have to go out and get those big guys, that, mm-hmm. as you mentioned there, CD. And I think a season like this, being able to show what you're able to do. Cody Schrader's story has been amazing. I know that he wasn't a big-time recruit, and we love the story of him going from D2 to walk-on to captain and everything that he's done this season for Mizzou. But I think that there's a lot of things that will be more attractive to bigger recruits. And if you get one of these big bowls... It can change a lot. It can. And and, uh, they did flip Talon Chandler, uh, or Talon Chandler, uh, from... 
here in the state. He was committed to Colorado. Uh, people that are close to the Mizzou program will tell you that much like what happened with Jeremy Macklin, who had committed to Oklahoma and then flipped to Mizzou, that the Ryan Wingo situation is not over yet. Uh, so we'll find out on signing day whether or not it's over. But it certainly would not be the first time that Mizzou has flipped a local player. They, they flipped Blaine Gabbard. He was going to go to Nebraska. He wound up coming to Mizzou, uh, several others. It wouldn't be the first time that a player has changed his mind and decided to attend the state school. But I'm of the thought process that if, if Eli sticks around, and one of the keys is going to be Mizzou stepping up. I know they're already paying Blake Baker. They're going to have to pay him more, and they're going to have to keep uh, the, their offensive coordinator, too. Uh, Kirby Moore. Yep. Uh, Kellen's brother. Uh, they're, they're going to have to pay him more, too, because the offense has changed dramatically. You got, and the offensive line coach, you got to keep everybody around. you got to keep that staff consistent like Gary Pinkle did, because the only way you can— even hope to be that eight and four, nine and three on a regular basis. If you don't have a top ten recruiting class, is to turn the two and three stars into first and second round picks in the NFL, which Gary Pinkle did for years and years. Exactly. Important. Yep. Got to happen. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. We're going to call him in LA. I think it's going to be early for him, but that's okay. He's still on St. Louis time. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Bring out the Zamboni! It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Chris Kerber joins us now on the opening drive on 101 ESPN, very early on the West Coast. And we appreciate Curbs for joining us. Curbs, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, I thought about calling in sick today. <laughs> I don't blame you. Are, did you guys stay in L.A. or are you guys in Arizona already? No, we actually stayed in L.A. It, it, it's been an unusual trip. We're actually in the same hotel for five nights, which almost never happens. And yet this season it's going to happen twice. Uh, we'll do it again on the New York trip in March, but uh, we came straight uh, straight here for after the San Jose game. Had Friday off. They played it uh, Saturday, and obviously, you know, in downtown LA. And then we, because it was a back to back, you know, and most of the times we stay in in Anaheim. We actually just bust a day of, you know, down to Anaheim yesterday, and then came back here and. Team will stay in LA today, and then we'll fly to Arizona tomorrow, which is probably a good idea because I'm, I, I just don't know that it was. I, it's probably a good idea not to turn a hockey team loose on the campus of Arizona State for two days. <laughs> True, good point. <laughs> that is a really good point. Well, Curbs, with the start of this West Coast trip, it did not go well for the Blues. You lose to the Sharks and you lose to the Kings, and then obviously they were able to get a good win last night against the Ducks. What changed so quickly between those games? Well, in in both of those games before last night's game against Anaheim, uh, there was basically just a couple-minute stretch of just mind lapses that that cost them. I mean, in the San Jose game, it was early in the second period. You're trailing 1-0 in that one. You can easily come back on that San Jose team, but then 
you know, then, then just the mental lapses for, for two and a half minutes, and, and they scored those two goals so fast back-to-back, what, like 19 seconds apart, that the game got away from you. Uh, the same thing happened, you know, in Los Angeles. It just happened to be in the first period where, you know, a bit of a ticky-tack call, but, you know, I don't know. You, you go to stick-check a guy, which means you kind of go to lift the guy's stick, and if he doesn't hold on to his stick, I, I'm not sure how that's interference, to be honest with you. You know, like – so, but that's what happened with Nick Letty. And, you know, they scored that power play goal, then a fluke goal uh, right after that. And before, you know, the team's even in the game, it's 2 nothing. And then you're chasing against a much better Kings team than the Sharks team. And it snowballed away from you. So, uh, just a couple of uh, moments that, that really burned them. And then they played a pretty good, you know, second and third period after that. So, the difference was in the, San, in the Anaheim game, Brooke, they just – they played the whole game the way they played the second and third in L.A., and that's a much more likely style to win, and that's exactly what happened. Curves, is, is it a fair quest, question to ask which team this Blues team is? Are, are they the team that gave up five goals in back-to-back nights, or are they the team that beat the Anaheim Ducks uh, yesterday? Oh, I think it's a very fair question, Kerry, and, and it's actually – but but we're approaching 20 games. Ken Hitchcock, uh, you know, always said uh, that – you know, you'll you tend to know the characteristic and the personality of your team by the time you get to game number twenty. And I think what we're seeing when it comes to the personality of this team is they are a team that is good enough to compete for, you know, probably a wild card spot. But to do that, they they are truly even more so than the most recent Blues winning teams. They truly are a sum of their parts. You know, and and I, I said on the curbside podcast after the LA game, I felt that there was one oh, there's one real hole on this so far this season on this team, and it happened to be pretty much the entire right wing side. You know, like you get good, really good play from Casperi Kapan, and I, I think he's been fantastic actually. But when you're playing on that top line with Robert Thomas, you want to see more production. And him getting his offensive confidence back in the league is is taking a little bit of time. Uh, Jordan Cairo, he's been very good on a lot of games responsibly, defensively, but you haven't had, you know, the same kind of production out of him. So there's a bit of a trade-off there. And, you know, but even in the last few games, especially on the power play, he, he was struggling with kind of turning the puck over a little bit, trying to make some plays happen. Verana it looks really good when he's shooting the puck, just is not used to It's clear that he's just not used to playing, you know, some of that uh, heavier defensive style that the Blues need him to play. And I think he's coming around to it. But it, it's – and then Jake Neighbors has been pretty good, but Jake Neighbors is on your fourth line and they're creating energy with that Oscar Sunquist line. The, the point of it is, is they need everybody to play a certain way on this team to be able to be successful. And when they do – We've seen them be very successful. Uh, when they don't, like you saw in the, the first two games of this road trip, you, you see how off that that game can look. So, you know, when, when Doug Armstrong, I, I thought about this last night, actually, when he said where this team is in his mind in terms of, uh, you know, that transition, having missed the playoffs last year, as he goes, he doesn't view this team in the top third of the grouping of the NHL, but can see his team in the, the, the top part of the second third, the middle third, I think that's a really good placement for where this team is.
And you can check out Curb's Curbside Podcast at 101 ESPN or on the app, and it's great. You get a lot of great information, a lot of great insight, Curb's, uh, with what you do every morning. And it's interesting when you bring up the the divisions in the league because it seems like they're pretty defined. That that top group is pretty solid. But if you are in the middle or bottom third, the sort of inconsistency that we've seen from the Blues is it's prevalent with all of the teams that aren't in the top third of the league. You can have games like you had against San Jose, and then you can have a game like you had last night. And that bottom two-thirds of the league, everybody's that way. Well, it's because if you look at how bad Anaheim was last year, and Anaheim was the the worst team in the NHL last year. They just didn't win the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, mm-hmm. right? But once again, they've got a second overall pick, you know, from last year's draft, an 18-year-old kid. He doesn't turn 19 till 26 and Leo Carlson, and he looked actually pretty good. Now, they're, they're kind of using him sparingly. They have a development plan for him, play him a few games, rest him one, rest him two, get him back into that kind of thing. But they also had a 10th overall pick in that in Mitnikoff, who, who's a defenseman that – was you know, actually really poised for for a 19-year-old defenseman in the National Hockey League, I thought, last night. I thought he, he really was probably one of Anaheim's more impactful players. But you're playing so many of these teams that have these high draft picks, but they have to build teams around them yet. And, and I think that's kind of where you know a lot of these teams are. And that's one of the th- reasons, I think, that you've got more hope this year for the Blues to potentially return to the playoffs because that middle grouping in the Western Conference is in a little bit of a downward turn, right? And so, so if you can keep pace like the Blues, like last night's win was so big on so many fronts, it, it prevented a three-game losing streak. You know, it, it 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 kept you. You jumped over Seattle. You jumped over Anaheim. You jumped over uh, Arizona in the standings. And I know it's early. It's only game number seventeen. But with that, you put yourself with you know back into fourth in the Central Division. You know you're still knocking on the heels with Winnipeg for third, which is a guaranteed playoff spot, and you put yourself in in a top wild card spot. So if you're approaching Game Twenty and you're in a wild card spot, that's just what your goal right now is for the St. Louis Blues: stay in the mix, play meaningful games, and and see where the chips fall. And so so far, I think it because of that middle pack that you're talking about, I, I think it's been a good start for the season for the Blues. Curbs, have fun on the West Coast. Enjoy yourself, and we'll be tuned in on Wednesday night for the Blues and the Coyotes, and then have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, everybody out there as well, have a great Thanksgiving uh, since we won't talk to you before then, but uh, have an awesome holiday, and we'll see everybody when we get home Friday against uh, Ryan O'Reilly's Nashville Predators. But uh, have an awesome week. Thanks, Randy. All right, brother. Thank you. See you later. That is the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber, always good to hear from him on a Monday. Coming up, uh, did... What happened in the fight? Did I do we have a fighter coming back? <laughs> do you need a fighter, uh, Matthew Rush? I believe we need a fighter. Okay, yes. we need a fighter. So you can just text you, in. You, you won on Friday. Uh, did I? Okay. <laughs> Didn't you? <laughs> this is hilarious to me. We, you you all you never remember when you win, but you 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 win so much, right? <laughs> but the losses. You're you're a yeah. true this, you're a true ball guy. Like, you're you're a guy. The does, does, yes. does the number four sixty nine ring a bell? Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, If you'd like to participate in the fight, we'd love to hear from you. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. We have the fight coming your way next, and you might be the fighter. Matthew might pick you on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Kyle. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. Doing great. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Uh Ready as I'll ever be. All right, here we go. Which wide receiver was Russell Wilson targeting when he threw the game-ending interception to Malcolm Butler in Super Bowl 49? Was it Ricardo Lockett, Jermaine Curse, or Doug Baldwin? Uh, I'm going to go Lockett. Which bowl game did Mizzou play in to finish the 07 and 13 seasons? Was it the Peach, the Cotton, or the Citrus Bowl? Uh, Citrus. Which AFL franchise won the most league championships from 1960 until the complete merger following the 1969 season? Is it the Chiefs, the Oilers, or the Bills? Uh, Let's go Chiefs. Well, more common early in NFL history, a second-year wide receiver has led the league in receiving only twice since 1990. Josh Gordon in 2013, and which wide receiver in 2000? Is it Randy Moss, Marvin Harrison, or Torrey Holt? Oh, let's go hometown. We'll go Torrey Holt. All right, we'll double-check our, our score. We'll bring in Randy Carricker. Kyle, how you feel? Well, zero confidence at all. <laughs> 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 Those are all guesses. Okay. Well, sometimes there you can have educated guesses. And yeah, you can just go with your gut. Yeah. yeah. That's what I did on my ACT. Yeah. Life <laughs> <laughs> happens. Did okay on it. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, say hello okay. to Kyle. Kyle, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. By the way, welcome back to our buddy Mike Ryder. Our Mike Ryder. Yeah. He's out, so of, excited out of the about country that. for like 14 days. Got an email that said if you're traveling abroad, please tell please us. Please let somebody know. <laughs> you yeah. can't be working out of the country, yeah. sir. Yeah. What the yeah. heck are you doing? He's always working. <laughs> All right, ready? Here we go. Okay. Which wide receiver was Russell Wilson targeting when he threw the game inning interse- interception to Malcolm Butler in Super Bowl 49? Oh. Um. I think it was Doug Baldwin. I'm going to go with 89. Doug Baldwin, they had curse. Might have been curse too, but I'll go with Baldwin. Which bowl game did Mizzou play in to finish the 07 and 13 seasons? Cotton Bowl. Tony Temple, big uh, game, big comeback game. So Cotton Bowl after the 07 season. Which AFL franchise won the most league championships from 1960 until the complete merger Following the 1969 season. I didn't think this existed. Yeah, this football didn't matter before 1969, <laughs> quarter one, Matthew Rocchio. I didn't know they actually played football. It was just guys on yeah. in uniforms, but they didn't, it wasn't football. Right. It was just something. So you had... I heard this conversation yeah. verbatim in my head while I wrote this, <laughs> by the way. Uh, uh, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos, Oilers, Bills... 
somebody else. I think it might have been Buffalo. He had the Chargers, uh, Jets. Um, I think I'm going to go with the Jack. This is a totally wild guess, by the way. The Jack Kemp led Buffalo. I'll do the lifeline. All right. Let's see if they're there. <laughs> if they're there, I'll use them. Chiefs, Oilers, Bills. I'll go with the Bills. <clears throat> Final question. While more common early in NFL history, a second-year wide receiver has led the league in receiving only twice since 1990. Josh Gordon in 2013, and which receiver in 2000? I'm guessing that would have been Torrey Holt of your St. Louis Rams. All right, I get to say this finally. It's been too many times next week. There is no tiebreaker. No tie. In this fight, we have an outright winner. Was Kyle able to come in on a Monday and take down Randy Carricker? Or does Megamind start the week off with another win? Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. Kyle, you took down Megamind today, three to two in the fights. Awesome. There you go. Just win, baby. The verbal, the verbal uh, <laughs> drop there from Kyle. Let's go through those questions. Let's go through those answers. Which wide receiver was Russell Wilson targeting when he threw the game-ending interception to Malcolm Butler in Super Bowl 49? Number 83, Ricardo Lockett was coming across oh. the middle for that pass. Which bowl game did Missouri play to finish the 07 and 13 seasons? They won it both times. It was, in fact, the Cotton Bowl. Which AFL franchise won the most league championships from 1960 until the complete merger following the 1969 season? There were 10 championships. The Chiefs took home three of them, the Oilers and the Bills each taking home two of them. And while the more common early in the NFL, second-year wide receiver has led the league in receiving only twice since 1990, Josh Gordon in 2013, and then Torrey Holt in 2000. By the way, um, Jerry Rice did it, and then you have to go another like 20 years to like the 60s before it was done by that. Second-year wide receivers have never really had a good time in uh, the National Football League, but a good time was had by Kyle there as he wins the fight, so he will join us tomorrow on the show again. Thank you so much for joining the show in the fight today, Kyle. Thank you. 75% guess is not too bad. There you go. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah. Is that not bad at all? No, I mean, hey, abacadabra. <laughs> um. You just got to get in. That's what matters. <laughs> all right. Uh, coming up next on 101 ESPN. Randy, you don't have anything How else to that? say. What? How about that? No more thoughts on it. Uh, no. I, we need to get to uh, Aaron Nola spending three weeks in free agency and then staying in Philly. That's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. On yesterday, that Aaron Nola has agreed to a $172 million seven-year contract with the Philadelphia Phillies. He had been a free agent since five days after the World Series ended. And the question, I think it's a fair one, is with him getting 172 over seven, and most projections had him getting more, should the Cardinals, who apparently did not engage him with an offer, should the Cardinals have done more to try to procure the services of Aaron Nola? This is a franchise that said on August 1st, we need three starting pitchers and have said consistently, our goal this offseason is to get pitching, pitching, pitching. Well, do you want... 
the best pitching or do you just want pitching, pitching, pitching? You need pitching, and that's something that you can't go without. I think it's very interesting because Derek Gould, he tweeted this out or x this out um, in regards to Aaron Nola and the Cardinals. He said, the Cardinals never got to the point of making an offer to Aaron Nola or meeting with the pitcher. They were not a team that actively engaged in trying to lure him away from returning to the Phillies like other NL clubs, according to a source. And then Moselock yesterday on KMOX said, I had a brief exchange with Nola's agent this morning, so I was aware this might be happening. Happening in regards to Nola signing with Philly. It does sound like there's a really strong desire to go back to Philly. So my question is here, is a brief exchange enough in your opinion of how they should have pursued Aaron Nola? And does it concern you with how they'll pursue other starting free agent pitchers? That would concern me because to me, if you're interested in somebody, you make them an offer. And if you don't, if you aren't interested in getting the best, you just admit it. Say, hey, we, we aren't going to swim in those waters. I don't think anybody would be offended if the Cardinals would say, "We're now that would they be upset?" Yes, but can you tell the Cardinals how to run their business? No. So if the Cardinals say, the, "That's just not the sort of business we run. We aren't going to swim in the twenty-five million dollar a year uh, pitcher waters," just tell us the truth. I I think. You said about that comment was August first. We need three starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. It should have it should have come with a yeah, but we're not going to go above and beyond our budget. We're going to we need three starting pitchers, but we're not going to go out and pursue a guy that we may feel like we have no realistic chances of of getting him to sign here. The fact that you. I guess didn't even attempt to offer Aaron Nola a contract. I, I think that that's problematic um, because. He was one of the, he's he's one of the top three or four pitchers on that list to 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 start this whole free agency period off. You got Yamamoto, you got Blake Snell. We know they're not going to spend the money that it takes or would take for Shohei Otani. So you really got two guys left, and then you're you're looking at who Jordan Montgomery, Sonny Gray. Um, th- there are some names on there, but they're not going to be the names that make Cardinal fans jump up and down out of their seats and say, "Okay, we got guys here that are going to." eat up innings, and going to be, you know, our one, number one starter going into 2024. And I think that's the main concern and the main question for the Cardinals going into 2024. What do you do and how do you go about it? Because you didn't have to tell us that you needed three starters. We didn't need that information. We could have been under the assumption that, you know, we really like our guys that we have in-house. We we like Takoa Roby. We like Dakota Hudson before he was no longer here. We like what Graceffo showed us in the minors and what McGreevy has shown us. We think that those guys can become stars and starters in this league, and we could have went that way. But we were told that there were going to be three starters mm-hmm. that were going to be sought after. And so now you put yourself in a position where, all right, let's let's get it. Where, where are they coming from? Who are these three starters? And it needs to be people that can come in here and be guys that can help you win playoff games. And Aaron Nola is a horse. That was one of the big things that you saw with him and his abilities, and that's what you want. Because if a big concern is the Cardinals' bullpen, then that's a guy that you would hope to have, somebody who can really eat up some innings. And there's still guys available, but it is a little concerning that you can use the excuse of, well, you know, we knew that he was going to mm-hmm. re-sign with Philly. That's nice and all, but I think that the expectation was aggressiveness this offseason. Aren't the Phillies right now, all the moves that they're making, Dave Dabrowski – 
all the moves that he's making. Isn't that what we kind of were hoping that the Cardinals would do this offseason, be that aggressive? And if you even look, 2020 offseason, Zach Wheeler took less money to play for the Phillies. 2023 offseason, Trey Turner takes less money to play for the Phillies. And then now this offseason, Aaron Nola takes less money to stay in Philly because they're continuing to stay aggressive and show that they're doing what it takes to be able to make the playoffs and potentially win it all. And if you're the Cardinals, with your history, I don't know why you would just assume, okay, well, the guy wants to stay there, so we aren't even going to try, because the Cardinals' history is this. And this is a story from Bob Nightingale on December 1st of 2015. Quote from USA Today. David Price teed off Tuesday morning at a charity golf tournament in Las Vegas, believing he would be spending the next seven years pitching for the St. Louis Cardinals. By the time he left the event, hosted by former Major Leaguer Wally Joyner, Price had agreed to become a member of the Boston Red Sox with a deal that'll make him the richest pitcher in history. Price had been offered $187 million over seven years by the Cardinals. He agreed to a $217 million contract with the Red Sox because the Red Sox said... We will give you this amount of money, but you must accept this offer by the close of business today. $30 million more. So if you're the Cardinals and you've been victimized by an offer like that, why wouldn't you make an offer like that to try to get a guy? Because that's not in your DNA. It's not who you are. It's not what you are willing to do. Um, And and so that's what it boils down to. Are you willing to to spend that money? And it, it feels like the answer has been and will continue to be no. And so if you run into a, a this is a competition. Like I understand people oh, well, he wanted to stay in Philadelphia. You know what changes people's minds? Money. Mm-hmm. If if you talk, as you just said, David Price, you talk thirty thirty million dollars more, mm-hmm. well that 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 could change some things for a player. So the the notion that the St. Louis Cardinals are in unable to to go out and, and really recruit and bring a free agent here based off of the number of years or the amount of money, I think that's absurd because I, I know that they can if they chose to. It's just a willingness of, of whether or not they would like to do it or not. And, well, and they don't seem willing to do that. Yeah, and that's exactly what it looks like, right? Is that by not even just having a brief exchange and saying, yeah, it was very clear you want to say in Philly without making an offer, it makes it look as though that you're saying, okay, well, we don't. We didn't want to give him an offer. We didn't want to be aggressive in that way. Because if you wanted him, you would have at least tried to put an offer. It sounds like you were afraid of him possibly taking that deal, or that he's not maybe the guy you're looking for. Now I do know that there's still other pitchers available. It's gonna be interesting to see what Yamamoto is going to go for. Because I don't think Aaron Nola's contract is what's really gonna set the market. I think that Yamamoto and Sonny Gray and Snell is what's going to be more true of what the market goes. And still Otani, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah. Otani as well. I would love for the Cardinals to go out and get Yamamoto. I would absolutely love it. Obviously, everybody has seen his connections with Lars Newtbar, but also what he's able to do specifically. And he's 25 years old. And the same agent as Arenado. Exactly. But do you feel like after seeing this approach they had with Aaron Nola, do you feel encouraged that they would go after a Yamamoto? Does that even seem in the wheelhouse of possibility? The only reason I could see it is because he's 25 years old and they might be willing to go seven for a player like that. I think the Cardinals are completely immune. Uh, immune is not the right word. They, they're completely against the idea of a 10-year contract for any player. Wouldn't you think for a 25-year-old pitcher that somebody will go 10? Oh, yeah. 100%. Do you think the Cardinals will go 10? No. no. Not for no. any player. No. So, uh, 
sometimes you got to change with the times and it may feel uncomfortable. It may be against what you are accustomed to doing. But at some point you have to make a decision of if we are unwilling to do these things that other other organizations are in terms of the number of years on the contract or the, the amount of money on the contract, we'll never be able to get any of these free agent pitchers and, and free agent players. It's just how sports goes. I mean, you watch the NFL. I can guarantee. Now, the owners made a decision that nobody was going to get the Deshaun Watson contract, but they all brought their numbers up from what they have been every single year. The numbers go up because you got to get a starting quarterback. You have to pay for that position or you're going to lose. And if you continue to lose, you lose money on the back end because people aren't showing up. And the teams that are succeeding in sports, and let's just focus on baseball now, are the teams that are aggressive and not reactive. The Cardinals are are not proactive, they're reactive. And we saw the world champion Rangers and how aggressive and, and proactive they were. We see how proactive the Atlanta Braves are. We see how, and the Dodgers are, and Yankees, are, they're in a different universe. But the teams that are going for it, when the Nationals won in 2019, it was a product of them going out and getting people like Max Scherzer, and even though it didn't work out the entire time for them, they did go get Patrick Corbin and gave him money. They were The, the Nationals were proactive. Uh, in 21, the Braves went out and changed their outfield at the trade deadline. They went out and got four guys uh, and changed the fortunes of their team. Uh, the 2022 champions uh, did the exact same thing, and then obviously this year, Texas. So uh, when you look at the uh, recent history, and the 20, obviously you're talking about uh, Houston and going out and getting Verlander and making their their moves with international players. And then after they won the World Series, they went and got Jose Abreu. The proactive teams are the ones that seem to be working, not the ones that say, okay, well, we're just going to build through our system and we'll take the leftovers after all the other free agents have signed. Who won the World Series? The Rangers. And they mm-hmm. were very proactive, even if the, with the Diamondbacks. Obviously, they just won 84 games during the regular season, but they were proactive in the way that they signed Corbin Carroll. That was a great mm-hmm. contract for them to go out and get, and they made some other moves. There's a lot of teams that show, and there's proof, that being proactive pays off. And I think that was just the expectation the Cardinals had. And, oh, by the way, the Phillies are also in discussions, reportedly, to be in the Yamamoto conversation. So they're not even close to being done yet with their aggressiveness this offseason. And they go out several years ago. They give Harper the huge money. They go out and give Castellanos and Schwarber the big money. Then they go to the World Series and give Trey Turner the big contract. They gave Zach Wheeler the big contract. Now they keep Aaron Nola. They apparently are going to be in the hunt for one of the closers this year. The Phillies are not going away. No. The, there's a quote that Mike Tomlin says, it's not what you're capable of, but what you're willing to do. And, mm-hmm. and I think the Cardinals are capable of spending money, but are they willing to? And if you're unwilling to spend money in the terms of what needs to be spent in order to get some of these guys, if you are competing with someone else and the numbers are the same or it's slightly better on, on one side – you're going to have to come up on your number. I don't know that the lure of playing in St. Louis is probably what it was 15, 20, 25 years ago. It it has shifted, and the players' mindsets have shifted. I told you earlier, you were asking me how many kids watch football games. None. They, they, they watch the highlights. They don't watch a, a two hours' worth of an entire game. They're going to watch 30-second clip of their favorite players. And so – this is the new generation that we have. You don't have guys that are watching Ozzie Smith clips or, or watching mm-hmm. Mark McGuire hit 70 home runs. They don't, in my, I don't think that that's how the vast majority of young players consume their sport. 
you have to do something. Money talks, and if you're, you're spending money and showing that players can win here, then they'll come here. And winning is the key. People say, well, they'll never do anything as long as people are 3.4 million people are coming through the gates. Well, 3.4 million people come through the gates because they've been winning since yes. 2000. And before that, they had McGuire. That's why the Cardinals draw, because they win. And if they don't win, then all of a sudden the BFIB become the B. WFIB best winning fans <laughs> in baseball uh, because if, if the the great fans the Boston Red Sox fans Chicago Cubs fans they show up even when their team is bad so let's see if uh, the Cardinals will do everything they can to keep those 3.4 coming through the gates coming up it's our rush hour reset where are the Mizzou Tigers going to play their bowl game that's next on 101 ESPN you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. It's 9.05 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up, we're going to talk to uh, actor and comedian Guy Torrey. Always good to visit with him. And he's got some stuff coming up here in town at Helium. So it'll be good to talk to Guy in a few minutes. Time for the rush hour reset, though. The Blues win last night over the Ducks, 3-1. to one. The Blues next action Wednesday night at Arizona. You'll hear that one here on 101 ESPN. And on the heels of Mizzou's victory over Florida 33-31 on Saturday night. Both ESPN and CBSSports.com make their weekly bowl projections. ESPN, both Kyle Bonagura and Mark Schlebaugh have Mizzou playing Tulane in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl on December 30th at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com also has Mizzou in the Peach Bowl. He has them playing Penn State. Either one would be fine. I think it would be cool for Mizzou to go down to uh, the backyard of the Georgia Bulldogs and win a bowl game down there. Do you think that it matters? And I know that BK and Ferrario were discussing this, so this is why I asked this. Do you think it matters to recruits who you're playing in that bowl? Like, say, if it's the Peach Bowl or something like that, do you think it matters? Doesn't matter. I think it's a better game if it's Penn State versus Tulane. But for us, but like you say, is is a potential recruit going to be watching an 11 in the morning Peach Bowl on December 30th? Yeah, sorry, sorry, not sorry. Listen, you got to be, you'll get them to watch the the college football Final Four. You'll get Mm -hmm. them to watch the the championship game. And and maybe if they're really intrigued, it depends on the player, but the vast majority of them, I said, they just watch highlights. They watch clips. And if they're interested in Mizzou, they might watch. But somebody who's got Mizzou out of their top 10, a kid, might be tuning in for a game. I would think that you'd have a better job, a better chance to recruit a kid by them seeing the atmosphere at Faroe Field yeah. than a, a Peach Bowl in Atlanta. I agree. I mean, bowl games are fun for the players that are in it. I mean, it's a lot of work, I'm sure, for the coaches and for the staff of, of those programs. But it, the the environment you want a kid to, to see is your home environment. Playing a game like they did against Florida. Playing, you know, if you were able to play Georgia at home, those mm-hmm. types of games, and actually win those games, that's when a, a kid is like, oh, Shoot, this is this Looks is fun. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, might be something that I want to do for the next four or five years. 
And so hopefully Mizzou can, right now, they, as you mentioned, CD, uh, they're down the line in terms of SEC recruiting. And we, we mentioned only the 14 teams. We didn't even mention yeah. Oklahoma and Texas yeah. ahead of them. They, they are. So yeah. they, they need to improve their recruiting. Can we um can we talk about your talk about you? This is this is yeah, a rush hour reset. Sure, yeah. I, I appreciate your professionalism. Uh-oh. Thank you. Because Uh-oh. we had a, a, a we our daily fight, uh-huh. and you had a question about one of the questions. Do you mm-hmm. would you care to elaborate what what took place? The the question was of the ten AFL champions, what mm-hmm. team won the most? Okay. And the correct answer, according to your <laughs> answers, was the Kansas City Chiefs. Is that not right? Well. I guess you could say that because they're the same franchise, but then we have to say the Baltimore Ravens are the 1964 NFL champions, mm. which they are not. Mm. Uh, it's the same franchise, but a different team. So right? we have a have a discrepancy. I would say we do. A oh, okay. kerfuffle, if you will. But that's okay. Gosh darn it. <laughs> it happens. You, you, the, just, the professionalism is well, what I'm most proud of. Just, you know, you just you just went on to the next topic well, and I just, just want to get it right, CD. <laughs> I don't don't want to misinform. Do you guys want to misinform? No. We don't want to be, what's her name, Carissa Thompson? Oh, Carissa. (laughs) Yes, making up reports. We don't want to make things up around here. We want to be accurate, factual. That's why I asked you, because I could tell the wheels were turning. Because if you guys, if you went back and listened to the fight, there's some silence there. And I could see, I looked over, I see the wheels turning with Randy. I was like, anything else you want to say, Randy? (laughs) <laughs> I knew, I knew that there was going to be some sort of situation happening with that oh, question. Clean fun, it's always fun, Randy. Carrie lives for these moments. So it's, every time. So it, it's okay, but it was a tie anyway because the the Bills mm-hmm. and the the Chiefs, somebody else won two apiece. So mm. it's all right. very nice, Randy. And you'll get yeah. to see him tomorrow. Oilers, yeah, yes. Houston Oilers. You'll get to see him tomorrow. It'll be okay. Uh yeah. So it'll be good. Uh, that is, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> you love this, don't you? Hey man, I love it. I, I just, I, I just love seeing the wheels spin when you, because you, you hate to lose. Like I, I love the fact that you hate to lose. Like it, it is one of my favorite things in the world because I am that way. Losing, it, I get. I, I'm so, I'm more frustrated with losing than I am excited when I win. And I think you're the same way. You actually despise losing more than you love winning. I think that's what, not to self-promote, but every great championship team I've been around, the championship teams, Mm -hmm. they hate losing more than they like winning. Exactly. Everybody likes to win. Yes. But it's the ones that hate losing that wind up on top. I think everybody in this room is kind of like that. Mm -hmm. CD, you're very competitive. Yes. Rock. Yeah. Competitive. Yes. Me? No, I'm not. I'm not a sore <laughs> loser whatsoever. If you all saw her oh, when we man. were doing those bags. She was <laughs> yeah. just livid. She was not a happy yeah. camp. I'm like, oh, okay, we're okay. We'll get it together. We had to get it right, okay? Yeah, get it right. Uh, that's your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, actor and comedian St. Louis and Guy Tory is coming to St. Louis, coming back to St. Louis. Looking forward to that. He'll join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Live from the Car Shield Studio, this is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. How do you figure the Lakers to ever be a bigger dynasty than the Celtics? The, the Lakers are like a flare-up, a fluke. Are you, you know what I mean? Like one good coach for four years. The Celtics are like a dynasty. Come on, man. The Celtics, right? The ugliest team in the history of sports. Look, Kevin McHale. James.
Worthy? The guy has a, a head like a melon. No, he has ladies. I can't even, I can't even. That is from American History X with St. Louis and Guy Torrey. And with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, And Guy Torrey is going to be back in his hometown on December 12th over at Helium Comedy Club for Fat Tuesdays. And you can go to uh, stlouis.heliumcomedy.com and you can get tickets right now. Guy Torrey is with us on the Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. It's so crazy hearing that clip again after all these years. <laughs> So, what was your favorite movie to do? My favorite movie to do probably was the movie Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence and, you know, the Bernie Mac, rest in peace. That was, like, by far the most fun I had on any movie set uh, ever or TV set. It was just it was just an incredible piece to be a part of. When you're on a, a set like that and, and obviously you get your script and everyone, you want to stay as close to the script as possible. How many <laughs> ad-libs were added in that script for, for that movie? Because those are great comedians. Everyone is funny. Everyone's trying to outdo one another. How much ad-libbing took place during that, that, that uh, script? You know what's funny is I, I don't like to say stay close to the script at all. <laughs> <laughs> but on this particular movie, I'm going to tell you, as something happened that never happens in Hollywood. Eddie Murphy, on the first day of shooting, told the, the director to let us go, to mm. let us add, let, let us bring. And, and, and that's to have that, that trust in us makes you even want to go, you know, even further for Eddie and make sure that, that we do a great job, especially when you do a piece like that, which was a, a period piece set in those times. And, you know, your ad-libs got to be, period. They got to be of that time. You can't do anything that's current. So to have that trust in us was major. And that's why I think they made the movie so great and so iconic because he allowed us to be ourselves and, and allowed us that freedom. So, uh, Guy, in a situation like that, are you guys trying to crack each other up then? Well, of course. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, know you, get, you, get, you got these comedians, comedic actors in, the, in this film, man. And, and I mean, you, you take Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac did most of his stuff. I mean, there were there were there scenes that Bernie didn't have a line, but wow. he would say something and it, and, it, and it made it stick. The scene when we're all um, trying to find out who the who the who the who the baby pappy is, that scene was supposed to have been serious. That was not supposed to be a comedic scene, but but Bernie kept stepping out there doing something incredible every time. So it was it was just an incredible piece. But yeah, of course, with the competition is real. I, I love that. Now I'm trying to imagine that scene being serious, and I can't because it was just so perfectly done by him. Right, right. <laughs> well, Guy, I wanted to ask you about. I know that obviously you're here from you're from here in St. Louis. How do you feel about oh, yeah. the state of St. Louis sports right now? Because you're a Blues fan, I assume Cardinals fan. How do you feel about the state of St. Louis sports right now? It, it's so crazy because I wish that the Blues were just in uh, L.A. playing the Kings the other day, and I was out of town. I was like, man, I wish I was in town for that. Mm-hmm. Even though we lost, unfortunately, but then we, we got the Ducks. We got the Mighty Ducks, so we, we beat them. That's fine. But, yeah, I'm a Blues fan for sure. I was at the Stanley Cup winning in Boston, so that was, you know, my first Stanley Cup uh, uh, game. Cardinals, of course, I'm a fan. We had a terrible season this season, but <laughs> you know what? I, I went over to London uh, for the Cup Cardinals series and caught that, so, you know, win or lose, it was still good to see our, our Redbirds across the pond. And, you know, uh, I know a lot of people disagree with me with this, 
but uh, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Ram fan. Mm. Uh, still, I know, I know. They moved to me now. If they moved to any other city. <laughs> if they if they would have moved to any other city, maybe not. But because they moved to me in L.A., then I got a root for the fellas, and I was so excited to to, to to see how St. Louis City did the MLS team. Man, it's, it's like I'm so happy. I, I can't wait to next season and uh, and to actually go to a game. Well, guy, you got the uh, Fat Tuesdays. You're bringing that back December 12th. Doors open at 7. Showtime is at 8 p.m. You are hosting. Who all you got coming to perform with you on that? On that uh, was it Tuesday, right? Yes, Tuesday. Fat Tuesdays, man. Bringing it back. To, you know, the documentary is still streaming well on Amazon Prime, man. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Best documentary of 2022 by the New York Times. So I want to give St. Louis the live experience version of Fat Tuesdays in there. We got my man from Chicago, Damon Williams, who's a legend, Def Comedy Jam, BET's Comic View, Tom Jordan Morning Show. Uh, he's going to be on the bill. Uh, you know, I always love to have a, a young lady on the show, Coco Brown, who's been killing it everywhere, Def Jam, BET, uh, movies, uh, television. So I, I got Then we have some local acts. You know, we got some local comedians coming on the show as well. So my team and, and, and then there and, uh, and the Lula put a great lineup together. And we're going to have some fun. So come on out on Tuesday night and, and laugh. We need to laugh right now the way the world is. We, we talked about the state of uh, St. Louis sports. What is your thoughts on the state of comedy right now? You have a cancel culture. You got people that can't be as funny as they normally are because of all of the things that are said and, and how it's taken in a different way. What are your thoughts on comedy right now? Uh, I think comedy's in a good space right now. You know, I, I think that there need to be more of a synergy between, you know, the, the comedians and the social medians. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> See what you, you did know, the, 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 the sketch, the sketch that we love to, we want them to just, you know, start studying stand up more and do it well. So it's up to the OGs to kind of like, you know, preserve this, this art of stand up, man, and, and bring them youngins along with us and, and teach them the art of stand up. Some of them are great at doing social media, but when it comes to that stage and being there live with no safety net, when it's just you and that microphone and your jokes, that's a whole different beast for them. So we want to preserve that. And that's what people can expect, you know, on December 12th with Fat Tuesdays at Alium, is that it's going to be funny, uncut, unplugged, unbelievable. I may say some stuff that may get me – well, I won't get canceled. I won't. I can't get canceled because <laughs> I don't believe in cancel culture. It's like uh, I'm, I'm uncensored. I'm unfiltered. I'm going to say what I got to say. I've been doing this for 31 years, and I'll be, you know, God, in the words of Deion Sanders, I'll be gosh darn. If uh, if someone tells you what I can and cannot say on stage, you know that's why I love Charles Barkley, guy, because Charles oh says God, what yes. you're right. <laughs> he says whatever he wants, and nobody's going to cancel Charles Barkley either. And, and that's true. And you know, and 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 some comedians they kind of have to. I remember when we were doing the documentary, uh, and we interviewed Steve Harvey, and Steve Harvey said, "Man, Dave Chappelle is his favorite comedian because Dave Chappelle says what he wants to say, right?" And he said. Steve Harvey said when he's when he's done when he's done doing TV and done doing radio, he's going to do a special and say everything he always wanted to say because he said he can't get canceled because he has too many people relying on. There's too many people who eat, you know, off of Steve Harvey with the with the with the shows he has and the productions he has. So if he get canceled, they get canceled. And I thought that was a very unselfish thing to say and then think about the people who could possibly get canceled because he said something wrong. So. Um, I'm not in that position, so I'm, I'm going to say what I got to say. And if someone, you know, is upset about it, 
just, just they just got to know that it's just that one time. It's like you can't cancel somebody whole career off of one thing that they said wrong. Bingo. Or, or, or you may think it was wrong. It may not be wrong, but to you. It's wrong. So hey, I'm, I'm unfiltered. Guy, you talked about some of the legends, Dave Chappelle, Steve Harvey. Who are some of the people that you like listening to and, and will sit down and really uh, catch your attention when, when they're performing? Oh, man. You know, it's, it's, it's um, Cedric, of course, man, the homie, one of, one, one of my OGs, man. You know, he, he definitely brought me along in this comedy game. My brother Joe, of course, you know, always loves sitting down seeing what Chappelle has to say, what Chris Rock has to say, what stories Kevin Hart you know, uh, has come up with again and say, Joe Coy is doing a great job. He's another Fat Tuesday alumni who came to Fat Tuesday. I love listening to Joe Coy. Uh, Coco Brown, who is always have a fun, a funny spin on things like that. So, yeah, those are some of the people I love listening to. And, and, and you know, Eddie Griffin, you know, as crazy as he is, he's right down the road from Kansas City. So as crazy as Eddie Griffin, and of course, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. All right, Guy, I'm going to give you a choice. I'm going to give you, at the exact same time, and the money is the same, the opportunity to act in a movie where you really like the script, or you can do stand-up that night. What do you choose? What do you like better? Wow. That's a great question. That's a really great question. I would say still stand-up, because that's the girl that brought me to the dance. And I got to stay loyal to the girl that brought me to the dance, and that's stand-up comedy. That's well, awesome. um, that's why we're looking forward to December 12th over at Helium Comedy Club. People can just go to the Helium Comedy Club website for Fat Tuesday. It's going to be incredible. By the way, I was telling CD that you live really close to, uh, I guess it's Crypto.com Arena. Do you still live really close to there so you can go to a lot of oh, games? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm DTLA. I'm downtown LA right there, like three, at least, at least three to five minutes away on foot from from I, it's, it's still hard for me to say crypto.com. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't say crypto. The, the Staples Center where the Lakers play. We don't, we don't, we don't mention the Clippers, the other team. Uh, that plays in there. They, they won't be there for long though. We, we're kicking them out. They got a new stadium coming. So we, we want them out. They're not helping us decorate the place. They have no banners up. No, banners, no retired jerseys. It's so funny because the Kings, have jerseys in there. The Lakers got jerseys and banners in there. The Sparks have jerseys and banners in there. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift has two banners hanging at the Staples Center. And Clippers have none. <laughs> Zero. So they're not helping us put curtains in that place. So they must get out. Well, people can check you out at this point. People can check you out December twelfth, Fat Tuesdays, um, Helium Comedy Clubs. Doors open at seven p.m. Showtime is at eight p.m. And then you have a meet and greet afterwards, where you're doing Q and A. Tell us about that. What is that moment going to be like? You know, I just want to give some people a different experience, more than what they you know than what they usually expect at comedy shows. You're going to expect the regular comedy, you know, the jokes and things like that. But you know, Q and A. A lot of people have questions all the time. You know, when I'm traveling about American History X, about shoot the movie life, about, you know, how to stand up world, especially about Fat Tuesdays and how that happened. And these stories that didn't make the documentary or those stories that you don't hear. So just an up close and personal meet and greet, you know, a Fat Tuesdays Q&A and have some fun. Anybody can ask any question they want. And, uh, you know, I may give you any answer to that. One. <laughs> so, but it's going to be a good. It's going to be a good time. It, it's just great. I did it a few times already and people were just happy that. They got a chance to sit and talk with me and, and ask questions and get answers to things they wanted to know. We always love talking comedy and sports with you. By the way, if you want to come into the studio when you're in town, we'd love to love to see you, Guy. 
Oh, you know I'm a you know I'm an ESPN stalker, man. You know I talk to y'all all the time. So I, I, I would love, I always love coming into the studio. I appreciate that. You got it. Uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you very much. Have a happy Thanksgiving. I will. Love you guys. All right. Appreciate See you. you. Guy, Guy Tory, one of the funniest people around and one of the great sports fans. And uh, he'll be in town again December 12th. Just go to the Helium Comedy Club website for Fat Tuesday tickets, and they start at 25 bucks. I'll be there. It'll be great. I'll be tired the next day. Be <laughs> It'll be worth it, though. <laughs> That's the thing. Yes. Coming up, the Cardinals non-tendered four players, but do any of them move the needle in regards to winning a championship? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Swing, fly ball, hit high in the air toward left. At the track, at the wall, that one's gone. Look at Yepes. Over the years, the Cardinals have allowed some people to get away that have helped teams get to a World Series. Randy Rosarena in 2020 with the Tampa Bay Rays. Obviously, Adolis Garcia this year. Uh, the, the Cardinals have seen an array of their former players in the postseason and doing great things. During the weekend on Friday, they non-tendered catcher Andrew Kisner, outfielder first baseman Juan Yepes. I'm being kind with outfielder first baseman there. Uh, and pitchers Jake Woodford and Dakota Hudson. And I, I like all of those players. I, I do think that they're, they're nice players to have. But in the Cardinals' case, Cardinals' case, do you have any concern that any of those would move the needle in regards to the Cardinals being able to win the division next year? I, I don't see the way that they were utilized in 2023 that they would have been able to make a major impact for the Cardinals in 2024. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't none of them really, I guess, none of them really surprised me. Um, it would probably be Dakota Hudson would be the one surprise for me. I thought... Juan Yepes going, they didn't use him here. Mm-hmm. He didn't have many opportunities here this season. And so, which I thought was unfortunate for him yeah. because I think he's a good baseball player. And he had a bad year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just didn't get, you know, didn't get an opportunity here. So, um, but Dakota Hudson being the one name because they got rid of pitchers and they need pitching. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what the plan is, man. I, I just, I'm going to be honest. I think I'm like most Cardinal fans. We're just waiting with our hands, you know, in our lap, just kind of waiting to see what mm-hmm. happens. Um, but removing Dakota Hudson, a guy who performed pretty well this year, was a bit intriguing for me. Well, the Cardinals had three of the worst strikeout rates in baseball last year when it comes to starting pitchers and guys and the amount of innings that they pitch. Miles Michaelis being one of them, Adam Wainwright being another, and Dakota Hudson being the third in that group. So it makes sense. It, I felt like it was coming after you saw, I don't know if you guys saw that, the report before the news dropped that he was non-tendered, that the Cardinals were trying pretty hard to shop him around and a deal wasn't able to be met. But it is very confusing, CD, to your point, when you know that pitching is a priority and you see those bodies kind of dropping in the conversation of starting pitchers that are available, and then you go and lose another starting pitcher who has Major League Baseball experience. And that's the key here is because you did get some pitchers in the trades that you made with Jordan Montgomery and Jordan Hicks. You were able to get some young pitchers, but the Major League Baseball experience is not there. And that's something that's concerning. Even with a Gordon Graceffo and Michael
Michael McGreevy. Will they be ready? Can they take that next step next season? Those are too many question marks. If anything, it feels like you're going in with more question marks this season pitching-wise than you did last season. And my biggest concern in regards to picking out players that can make a difference is going and seeing the way that Jordan Montgomery was utilized in uh, in Texas or the way that a guy like Henesis Cabrera performed in Toronto. Uh, w- when you see pitchers get better when they go elsewhere, you hope, as a Cardinal fan, that somebody doesn't see something and say, I can fix that yeah. and bring him in and have him become a stud. And it, the Dodgers do this all the time, and uh, uh, that's why they signed Alex Reyes. The Cubs are a team now that is actually going away from more of the swing and miss. They've built a great defense. They had Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner. They, they've got a terrific defensive infield. They kept Kyle Hendricks, guy that can keep the ball on the ground. And hopefully, for, for the Cardinals' sake, they won't have another pitcher, whether it's Woodford or Dakota Hudson, that turns into somebody who we regret the Cardinals getting rid of. Well, I felt like Dakota Hudson could have had a role in the bullpen for the Cardinals moving forward. That's why I was kind of surprised with him. Woodford, it seems like he's kind of fallen out of favor over mm. recent years, but I, th- I thought at least with Hudson there was some encouraging signs, not necessarily for the starting rotation, but... For the bullpen, I felt like he's somebody you could have possibly used, but it seems like the strikeout rates were a big issue for him last season, and maybe that's something that factors into it as they change their pitching philosophy to more swing and miss guys. But you got to go get those guys is the thing you have yeah. to you have to go get that. So that's a that's a pretty big concern. But now they'll have what roughly around seven million now with those guys that mm-hmm. they non tendered. They'll roughly have around seven million to work with to add to hopefully what they'll do this offseason when it comes to getting some extra pitching. Oh, by the way, before I get to my next thing, they must have a deal to trade Tyler O'Neill, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was surprising. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. We kind of buried the lead there because I thought for sure he was going to Me be. Too. Didn't, it, didn't yeah. it seem like that where Ollie kind of made the comments about mm-hmm. that we're going to weed out you know, certain guys? I thought for sure that that was going to be Tyler O'Neill and that he was going to be one of the guys that was non-tendered. And when I looked at the list, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. What? And he's going to make six million wow. bucks. Yeah. Sounds like they found they, somebody. They must have a deal in place to send him elsewhere. I don't think he'll be on the roster come 2024. Oh, no. no. The other point I was going to make is that uh, we, we talk about production. And I think this might be a situation where, and this is an issue I have with the Cardinals, they're about process rather than results. And remember, in 2021, no, 22, Woodford was really good. Uh 4-0 with a 2.23, but they kept sending him down saying, we don't like his slider. We don't like his yeah. slider. Uh, but the production was there. And I wonder sometimes if they get too hung up in the process, like sending Jordan Walker down because we want a uh, better launch angle. angle, right? And I, I wonder if Jake Woodford is a victim of process over results with the Cardinals because he didn't do it the way they wanted it done. He got it done. But it wasn't the way they wanted it done. Yes, I think that that's a really good point because you've seen them do that with several other pitchers. And I know that the Cardinals are not alone in doing this, but I think that that's something that definitely needs to be addressed moving forward so that you know what you have with these pitchers, especially if you're going to usher in this new era of pitchers, all these young pitchers that they now have available that maybe you'll see next season in certain different roles. I think that you need to make sure that you have that defined role and something that works for them. Because if we, when we talked about 
what the Rays and their success that they've had with pitchers, it seems like they have a philosophy that is very unique to each pitcher and just letting them be what they need to be instead of maybe fitting into a certain philosophy on their own. Or just unlocking the key to what makes a pitcher be his best. Uh, There was a pitcher, who was it? Uh, Actually, there's been a couple that the Dodgers picked up. They picked up Yancy Almonte from Colorado a couple of years ago. Uh, in his last year in Colorado, El Monte was 1-3 with a 7.55 earned run average in 48 games. Goes to the Dodgers, pitches in 33 games, and has a 1.02 earned run average. And then they did it again this year. And the Cardinals have not shown a propensity to be able to turn pitchers around. They haven't gotten any of their pitchers to do things like that. But they haven't shown a propensity to be able to turn guys around and turn them into uh, really stud pitchers. It was Ryan Brazier this year. He was with Boston at the beginning of the year with the Red Sox. He was in 10 games, had a 7.29 ERA, goes to the uh, 20 games. He had a a 7.29 ERA, goes to the Dodgers 39 games, has an earned run average of 0.70. So the Dodgers have that ability to find ability and then polish that ability. Hopefully the Dodgers, if the Dodgers sign Jake Woodford, we're all in trouble. <laughs> That's oh, a bad God. sign. Yeah. Just add yeah. him to the list of, you know, what, yeah. of you, other you, players going you on never to be know, successful. You, you really never know. I mean, your hope is that every player you sign, you, you, you draft, sign, develop, that they become superstars or they become crucial parts or, or vital parts to your organization to help you win games and win championships. But you never know. And, and you know, sometimes you have to remove a guy and let him go and maybe he flourishes in other places. Mm-hmm. But for the Cardinals, I don't think that they are in a position where they can afford pitchers to leave this organization and go be successful elsewhere when that's the thing that you need most is pitching. You have to have guys come here give you seven innings, give you quality starts, yep. preferably. Not not the five-and-dive type of guys. Give you the, the quality starts, give you innings, and put you in positions to win games. And then your bullpen has to have has to be strong enough to not allow you to lose those games when your starting pitcher gets you, gets you those leads or keeps those leads. It's just there are a lot of questions. There are more questions than answers, I mm-hmm. think, right now for the Cardinals. And we are all in a wait-and-see approach. We're, we have to wait to see what their – their strategy is how they're going to go about this offseason, if they are going to spend money. Um, and if not, then you can make your 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 position felt if you are frustrated or if you are angry as a Cardinal fan by not showing up. Those are the only things that get people to understand when, when people stop sitting in the seats or people stop showing up to their businesses or to their companies is when you're not having that success, people aren't going to be there. And I think the Cardinals felt some of that last year. If we have some of the same... Uh, if we go in the same direction in 2024, you're going to get some of those same mm-hmm. results that you got last year. Yep. And I don't, I don't think any of us want to go through that again. CD, that was absolutely terrible. And that's the thing is that I think that fans definitely made it clear how upset they were. John Moselock even mentioned to reporters, especially the GM meetings, that he knew of the frustration. So this is not a secret. I think that it was very clear. Mm-hmm. And who wouldn't be frustrated after a 91 loss season? I was just hoping for a more of a sense of urgency, aggressive. This, this offseason, I was expecting maybe something different. And there is still time, but mm. it is concerning. 
That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with an edition of Rock and Roll on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. And roll here on 101 ESPN. Matthew, what do you got for us? One of the more interesting games on yesterday's slate. It wasn't necessarily the most um, watchable games, but it was a fun one. And that was the Houston Texans outlasting the Cardinals. And obviously, C.J. Stroud had a, a, a rough Really, a, a kind of an uneven game, a rough second half where he, where he threw a couple picks. The first half a little bit better, also threw a pick there for his three-pick game. He also had some touchdowns in there as well. So a little bit better in the first half, but I loved the attitude of C.J. Stroud uh, coming uh, into the postgame, and he talked a little bit about his mindset after that game, and I think Kerry's going to like this one. Man, Steph Curry don't ever stop shooting. I'm going to keep letting it ride. You know, um, and, I, and I'm, I don't got no shame in my game. I definitely got to be smarter, but um, I don't like I don't know confidence is taken away from me. I'm going to keep letting it fly. Got to love that from a young quarterback. No not, not even blinking. Short memory is what we always talk about with a quarterback. It's hard for a young guy. Seems like the memory is pretty short for our guy, C.J. Stroud. He's going to be a really good quarterback for a long time. He, he's in a really good place. They are uh, an organization that I don't think anyone expected to have this much success in his first year, and and really, on the with the opportunity to maybe even win that division, depending on how things play out. Jags played really well yesterday, but they still are right there, one game behind. I think they play them next week, so there is a uh, there's a chance for the for the Houston Texans to be the number one team in that AFC South division. That that is he is special. They are special, and you know. He's gonna keep. He's gonna keep keep them in games and keep them winning. And Jacksonville was a dominant performance yesterday too. Yeah, they did. Yeah, no, he is. (laughs) Thank you, Randy, for reminding me about that. (laughs) Oh yeah, maybe it wasn't that dominant. (laughs) Okay, thank you, thank you for that reminder. But I agree. I think that there is a lot of positives with C.J. Stroud. Did you also see that a few days ago that he made a bet with Tom Brady on the Ohio State Michigan State game that if I guess. Ohio State wins or Michigan State wins? Michigan. Michigan, Michigan State yeah. wins. Um, Michigan. Michigan, excuse yeah. me. That um, Tom Brady will give him his Super Bowl ring. Oh, I think I did Wagering one, one of his yeah. Super Bowl rings. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Tommy's going to give him that. He got to earn one of those. <laughs> yeah. Not. Can't give it. Can't give those. I mean, he got seven of them. I mean, <laughs> he really. just lost one with it. Yeah, just give up one of the ones he cheated to win. Uh, oh, Randy! Which one would that be? How meaningful were the yeah. first three? Uh, yeah, Deflate Gate had Tape Gate, Spy Gate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Randy, he, he should he should he should just give out all the ones where he was not the quarterback who threw for the most yards. So that way, that way he'd like be walking around with like two. Yeah, right. There you go. Oh <laughs> man. I, uh, a big weekend <laughs> for Missouri basketball. A comeback win over Minnesota. They were down by 20 at one point with 11 minutes to go, Kerry Davis, and they came back to win that game over Minnesota. What a comeback what, by wait, Dennis Gates, boys. How about it? What about the 0 5 Jackson State team that they played? I don't know what you're talking about. Here was Dennis Gates after, Jackson, after the Jackson State game. <laughs> great game. Uh, great game plan by Jackson State. I credit Coach Mo Williams and his program. Uh, they did a tremendous job executing. Uh, down a stretch, uh, but more specifically, uh, scrapping. I don't think 
Uh, we won a 50-50 loose ball. I think they were the first on the floor for every loose ball, which is very uncharacteristic of us. But again, I credit Coach Mo Williams and his program. I said before the game, they're the best 0-5 team in the country, and they, they, they proved that tonight. I just, I just need to highlight that last part really quickly. They're the best 0-5 team in the country. And they, they, they proved that tonight. That's something to be proud of. They were the only 0-5 team in the country. Oh, really? I was going to say that they were. Okay. Yes. They were the only 0-5 yeah. team in the country, well, Dennis. Yeah. They're the best 0-5 team in the country. They ain't they, anymore. They, they proved that tonight. <laughs> they ain't anymore. And I like Dennis Gates. I think he's a fantastic coach. I, I love his energy when he's been on with us. I think he's going to get those young men going in the right direction um, and not losing to teams like that. But... That's just coaching, man. You, you, <laughs> coaching young people is one of the hardest things in the world it, because y- you can pour into them and, and you can give them all of the information, but then they have to go out and execute it. And to lose a game like that, I'm sure that's extremely frustrating. But the wonderful thing is it's early in the season, and you can store that and use that as motivation for the rest of the season. You all thought you were high, you know, live, living high, and, and then you go out there and you lose to a team that was 0-5. You keep that with you the entire season, and hopefully that, that stays fresh on the players' minds, knowing that every single moment matters, every loose ball matters, every opportunity to, to you know, get into, into your spot defensively matters, getting rebounds matter, and every single possession matters. And so you do that, you remind them of that, and hopefully that's the, uh, the worst loss that they take all season. Here's another thing in, in basketball. I'm going to go to the pro game. LeBron James last night, the Lakers win over the Rockets, drops 37 at 38 years old. And they, uh, I saw this stat last night after this game. So he put out 37 as a 38-year-old. And right now, in his 21st season in the NBA, LeBron James is averaging 26, 8, and 7. Here are some other the, the other people to play to that age, to, tw- to play 21 seasons. Here are their season-long point per games. Vince Carter, 7.4. Robert Parrish, 3.7. Moses Malone, 2.9. Kevin Garnett, 6.5. Kevin Willis, 4.2. Dirk Nowitzki, 7.3. LeBron James, 26.3. It- it's unbelievable what he's doing in his 21st season. It's just I-, I thought at some point it would be like, oh, wow, yeah, this is just normal. Every th- every new game is just another. I can't believe he's still doing this. He's special, but here's the thing: they ain't gonna win nothing. Well, that's true. Because <laughs> Anthony Davis forgets to to participate he, some he, games. No, he's, he said he was playing in all eighty two. No, no, no. Sometimes no. he forgets to lock <laughs> his shoulder into place. So, Anthony Davis is um, he's out there most nights, but he he doesn't show up. If that makes sense. Oh, okay. Like he can't. LeBron James at forty or thirty-eight. How old is he? Thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. He's thirty-eight. Thirty-eight can't be. I mean, I guess he can be, but he shouldn't be the best player on your team. Anthony Davis was. They told us Anthony Davis was the next great player in the NBA. He was going to be the face of the NBA, and we're still waiting. And it hasn't happened. Well, no, he's, I mean, <laughs> it passed him by. He's not. He's never going to be the face of the NBA. And he's well, why 30? did they tell us that it was going to be that rock? Because he was a seven footer with guard skills, and that that's How's that working out for thing, him. Here's the thing: that is who the best players in the NBA are. Jokic and, and Giannis are the best players in the NBA. They're seven footers with guard skills. That's what we thought. Well, why is AD he? was supposed to be? Because he's never been healthy, and he's only six ten. He's he's one of those weird guys. He's he refuses to let himself be listed at his proper height because he's like it's Tim Tim Duncan was the same way. He thought he was a he thought it would, he would be looked at as a as a weirdo if he was a seven footer. So he had himself listed at six eleven. You're like oh, seven man. foot two, dude. <laughs> Just live with it. Like it's special. Why do you think it's I weird? Never measured it's him. Special. I don't know. It's good weird. For, good special. for the good for them. I mean, I guess. 
Good for LeBron, I guess. Hey, we've got hey, a. Uh, it's, it's, it is about individual stuff in, in basketball, yeah. right? Yeah, clearly. Yeah. 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 We've got a balloon party coming up. Did you know that? Oh, no. T Mac is here. Yeah, T Mac is here today. Pretty nice. cool, huh? Cool. I like that. T Mac and Ajax coming in. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're only working three days this week again. <laughs> oh my they god it's one more day than me yeah thank you to our producer and uh audio and video engineer matthew rocchio pleasure brooke did you have fun yes how about that how about that how about that royal wave cd what's your face we want to see your face who said that you want to see my face hey we thank you for tuning in texting in and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at seven have a great monday st louis that's right You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.